décidément, c'est Lambert et Hamilton. On sait que ces deux, ces deux hommes forts, Hamilton est un très bon également. Brad Lambert également. Les deux s'étudient, on se regarde. Du côté de Lambert, on, on le sait, hein, le premier coup de poing, c'est le coup de poing le plus important. Voilà, il a touché la cible. Hamilton est débordé. Et Lambert qui donne quelques coups. Et Hamilton en offre la Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 18 of the Five for Fighting podcast. My name is Alec, your host, and this is the show where we focus on the players who dropped the gloves and the fans who enjoyed watching them do it. Finally, it is here. I'm excited. We're fi it's finally happening. We're releasing, <laughs> releasing the part one of the LNAH special. And some of you uh, might have heard the intro and you might be wondering, what the fuck is going on with all these, you know, these these bells and train horns and mayhem going on? Well, we're going to we're going to dive right into it. Um, it's part of the uh, the LNAH folklore, I guess you could say. And for those out there listening, if uh, you've never heard of this league look it up it's uh it's crazy you know we're gonna you listen to the guys talk even just the fans and uh it's it was really like a different world and it was basically uh to give you the lay lay of the land there it was a league where you uh it was fighting first and kind of hockey the hockey game came second so uh it was kind of like a very wwe-esque league i guess you could say where it was all about kind of the show first and then then putting we were playing hockey and putting a little black thing in the back of the net after, you know, there was, uh, and it wasn't just like one or two fights. I mean, there was, uh, five to six, uh, even brawls, like a couple of brawls, a game, pregame brawls. I mean, the, the shenanigans are endless and all the guests, we all, we all get into it there. Um, and so we got, we got some good ones. And today part one, we're getting that we got, who is uh fourth line voice. And of course, Swanee Curtis Swanson, who fought a lot of fucking people, got a lot of fights over his, uh, four, I think four and a half year span over there in the LNH. And of course, uh, you know, I can't thank can't thank everybody who came on enough. I had a lot of guys come on. We have, uh, like I said, with this episode, we got fourth line voice and Curtis Swanson. And then in part two, uh, which will be released maybe either next week or the week after, I'm um, off to see this is a very busy month for me. So I do apologize. That's why I'm kind of slow getting this out. This is, this is the month where it's, a lot of birthdays and anniversaries and everything. So we got a lot of stuff to go to. So um, that's a, my apologies. It's been kind of slow on my end getting this out. I know I've been teasing it for a while and I had to wait for one last recording, but we got it done. So like I said, part one here, um, we go through, it's, it's, you're going to enjoy it with fourth line voice. It gives you kind of the early rumblings of the league and what, what people kind of heard about it. And it was kind of almost mysterious because it was before it was the early 2000s. So it was before internet. And so, uh, we kind of dive into the early rumblings and hear it about the league. And then later on, 
it becoming the LNH and becoming this whole spectacle that people were attending and people were coming from all over to go see. So it was really cool. Um, and then part two, of course, has uh, another fan, John Searson from the UK. Uh, I've known John for a while now. It's funny. I've n- never met him in person, but we'll sit there and we'll talk on the phone like a couple of fucking schoolgirls. Same with uh, Fourth Line Voice. We'll sit there and talk like schoolgirls on the phone and fuck, just go on. I think <laughs> I think for the Fourth Line Voice interview, I think it was like one hour of an interview and f- four other hours of us talking, and that's not even an exaggeration. I think we got done, and I want to say the Skype call was almost five hours long, so... Uh, Fuck, <laughs> should have just recorded an episode then just talking about everything, but um, no, it's always good, and same with John. John will we'll randomly call each other from time to time if some shit comes up, because he's big into collecting the jerseys as well, and so, uh, yeah, so we got John in the UK over in part two, and then Jason Renard, who is also, um, if you're new to the podcast, he was the very first player guest I ever had on the podcast, so we go into his whole career there, and so, you know, you can go over there and dive right in, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, Renard's an absolute fucking beauty. And then here, of course, we just talk about his time in the LNH. And then uh, the final guest is Brad One Punch Lambert. And uh, he was in the league for, I think, oh, two and a half, three years. But he made a big impact when he was in there and was rolling over the fucking, over the league and just knocking dudes out. So, um, no, it was really, uh, really cool to have uh, have everybody on. The LNH is a very, um, I don't know how to say it, I guess it's a newer thing to me in the sense that I, I had seen clips of it before and I had seen it on the internet and, you know, the occasional LNH fight or whatever, but I never, I was too young when it was kind of getting big back in 05, 06. Fuck. I think I would have been around eight, maybe. I mean, that's even pushing it maybe seven back then. So, um, oh no, I take that back. Oh five. I'd have been, or oh six. I'd have been 10. Yeah. I'd have been 10. Um, so I was still really young when, when the league was kind of in its prime. So this has really been, it's been a lot of fun for me myself because I, it's a very interesting concept to me to the, the league, the way it is and how it was kind of the fighting first and hockey second type deal. So it was really fun to kind of dive into the history and talk to the players and get an in-depth look at what exactly went down in the league and how it was to play there and, you know, muck it up and, go to this crazy fucking jungle they they called the uh the most violent league in the world or the toughest hockey league in the world um so no it was a lot of fun going in depth with it. like I said I'd I had seen clips before and then uh once fourth line voice got on Twitter and I'd added a followers account he'd post pictures and um you know that's from there then I'd see a couple a couple people comment like oh yeah there's like fuck, these guys were there, and then, you know, you're looking through, and I'm like, oh, John Morasti, like, fuck, I've watched plenty of his fights, I didn't know he played in the fucking LNH, and stuff like that, so, you know, I, I started researching more, and I just became so interested in it, because it was just, it's such a unique concept, and there was only one league like it, you'll never, they won't ever have another league like that again, there's, it's just not gonna happen, um, so it was, um, it was really cool to kind of, like I said, learn about the history of it, get an in-depth view from the players, uh, funny enough, you know, I collect jerseys. I have more LNH game warrants than I do uh, any other league. <laughs> well, I like all the minor league stuff, so I only have two NHL jerseys. But out of out of everything else, I got a bunch of a uh, bunch more LNH jerseys than I do all the others. But um, I'm trying not to keep this too too long because I know, uh, you know, with the special, it's uh, it was a lot of time I guess put into this. Um, so it was. It was a little frustrating at times trying to get everything up, but in the end, I think it was it's well worth it. The guys were awesome, um, and just frustrating. Is I don't mean that in a bad way towards the towards the boys or anything like that. Everybody has lives, so just kind of trying to get schedules together. My schedule wouldn't line up or their schedule, but 
either way, we, you know, it it's, took a little longer. I know I mentioned this. Fuck, I think back in like, oh, I don't know, October maybe. <laughs> so <laughs> running a couple months late here, but um, no, it's been good. And I, I, again, I had a lot of fun doing this. So uh, you know, learning all these things about the guys and even bullshitting with the guys afterwards. You know, we talked um, talked afterwards and they gave me a little, little more inside information and stuff like that. So it was, it was really cool to be able to sit there and talk with them and everything like that. And, you know, I want to thank uh, Darren over at Fourth Line Voice. Of course, you know, he's the first guest coming up here. He'll be uh, coming up right after I'm done with uh, running my yap over here for the intro. But he is, uh, he's really one, him and John Searson both, I guess, uh, they've really educated me on the LNH and kind of, uh, you know, I'd ask them stories about it and they'd go right into it and just hearing about it. So, you know, they only sparked the interest for it. So I guess without them, this special wouldn't even happen, um, hell, let alone their, their guest in it too. So, you know, it was, uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Um, so I guess we'll, uh, we'll start wrapping it up now. I'll just get the, uh, Get the the shout outs in real quick. Of course, go check out the boys over at Get the Gate doing a lot of stuff. They just uh, finally came back out with an episode over the uh, the Battle of Alberta. Oh yeah, the don't get me started on that. Um, oh, it was a good goalie fight though. You know, it was was it you know any shields and snow? Uh, no, it wasn't. Of course not. But no, it was a good fight, and it's always good to see that people who said that was bad for the game. Yeah, fuck right off. Yeah, that's why it's the the been the most talked about game and the most viewed fucking hockey video all year and. Probably in the last few years. I know just the goalie fight alone was up to like 1.2 million views at one point on Twitter. It's probably got more now. But no, so they just covered that. And of course, Darren over at the fourth line voice, he's got Tristan Grant coming, which that's a good one. And he just had one with Frank Kovacs. So good, definitely go check those out. And of course, William over at the Biscuit. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry, I just had fucking dinner. So I'm trying to try to get this out. I was I was really tired after work today. <laughs> I was like debating on doing this. But I was like, no, I got to do it. I was like, I said it was coming out and I've already been fucking holding back enough. So, uh, but yeah, and then of course, Dan, Paul and Kelly over at the, uh, the Obey the Puck show covering the stuff. And, you know, they just, um, I, I don't think I've listened to the recent episode, but they're talking some good stuff about the modern game. And even though I don't really watch it, that's kind of how I keep up to date. I don't really, I don't watch anymore. So I, I keep up to date through a little bit of podcasts, only certain ones. And then, um, you know, of course the, the Slewfoot show is another good one to go listen to. And then last but not least, Shane over at the History of Hockey podcast. I keep forgetting to fucking mention Shane. I, don't, I feel like an asshole for it. So Shane, if you're listening, bud, I'm sorry. Um, Shane, he's actually he actually helped me make the um, the podcast art for the cover. So like the you know when you see the five for fighting logo picture, whatever you want to call it, uh, that was done by Shane. Shane really really hooked it up there. Um, and for whatever reason, I just I think it was because he didn't it was touch and go with him for a while. If he he didn't know if he was going to keep doing the podcasting, so I was like, well, I don't want to shout him out, and then because. You know, he, he felt really bad about it, um, and he mentions that. But, no, Shane, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're doing it, uh, doing it again, and you just had a really great episode talking about uh, women's hockey. And, actually, said the last few have been about women's hockey. So, uh, no, it's been really good, and, you know, I'm glad glad to see you doing it, Shane. Uh, I always enjoy it. It's a lot more professional and like this fucking stick-in-the-mud show we got going on over here. So, you won't hear as much swearing or anything like that. Shane Shane's awesome. Though. He writes it out. It's all really professional. Um unlike my ass where we're going right off the dome here. But uh, last but not least, of course, go check out the Best Enforcers and Hockey Fights group on Facebook. We just hit 7,000 members, and we're actually on the cusp where I think we're like 200 away from 8,000 members, which is absolutely insane to even think about. Started it back in May, and it's just grown and grown and, you know, more players. And I think we're at a really good spot right now with as far as, you know, 
it's it's nice. I don't have to. I don't even have to post every day anymore. Because starting it out, it was like you know me and a couple other like John or uh, Chris Banatee, we'd be posting on it, and we were kind of like the only ones. And the occasional person would post here and there, but just to try to get the name or the word out of the group. And now, now everybody's posting like yo top ten fights or you know hypothetical matchup who wins in this uh whether whoever it may be so it's been a lot of fun and it's, it's great it's great to get these guys names out still and uh no I think the group's in a great spot and it's been nothing but fun doing it you know you get the occasional asshole in there but they'll get the boot right away so you ain't got to worry about you know the yahoos taking over or something like that so um it's again it's best enforcers and hockey fights just send a join request I get a um a notification on my phone as soon as you want to join and so I, everybody's accepted right away. It's not like you got to answer questions or it's a super secret club. Um, no, just hit send a join request and you're accepted right away. And then, of course, if you want to follow the podcast, uh, go to it's five for fighting pod. Um, <clears throat> excuse me on Instagram and then five for fighting podcast. It's the Facebook page. Um, you just type in five for fighting podcast. and It'll pop up. And same with uh, Twitter, but it's actually the number five and then four fighting pod Uh and that's the Twitter handle. So you can keep up to date with me bitching and moaning about the game all you want. And um, just general interaction with a bunch of other fight fans. And it's always a good time. Twitter sucks, but at the same time, it's it's fun being able to talk to other fight fans on there. So um, anyways, I've talked long enough. I, I'd like to keep these under 10 minutes. We're growing on 12 minutes here, so I apologize. But anyways, here we go. It is finally here. The LNH special part one with fourth line voice and Curtis Swanson. Hope you guys enjoy and thanks for listening. Have a good one. All right, and here we are on the Five for Fighting podcast with the first guest of the LNH special, Take Two, a guy who's not sick anymore, so he's not coughing into the fucking mic all the time, Mr. Uh, Darren from Fourth Line Voice. Darren, how you doing, man? Hey, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for a redo. Yeah, fucking. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sequel. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um so nice, they're going to do it twice. Yeah, exactly. Fuck. Well, man, I guess we'll jump right into it like we did last time. With the, We'll start from the beginning. Where did you kind of um, hear about the league itself? Um, you know, did you kind of hear about it when it was the old QSPHO and it was kind of just a yep. senior league? Yep. Yeah, it was um, – yeah, because that was right sort of uh, late 90s when I first kind of got onto the internet and uh, got on a thing called Fried Chicken Fight Site and um, – and, and uh, which I couldn't believe there was other weirdos that talked about fights, but uh, got on the message board and there was a bunch of guys out in the Quebec area that were talking about this QSPHL and, you know, and, uh, and this is before YouTube and stuff, but so you never saw, you didn't see footage of it or anything, but they were, they were talking about this stuff. And there was a lot of people that would go to those games with camcorders and, uh, and they would sell them or sell the tapes around Quebec and uh, you know, like, Oh yeah, like each each home rink, and they were trying to the teams were going after them and blah blah blah. Anyway, but guys were selling these homemade tapes that they had gone to the games and, and recorded, and it was uh, guys were talking about them on the message boards. So I'm like, well, I got to get my hands on this stuff because this stuff sounds crazy because they're talking about guys going into the stands and fans right. running on the ice, and it's like, what the fuck is going on? So yeah, I, mean, I ended up getting like a 1997 QSPHL tape, and it was like put it in and it was just poorly lit rinks that looked out and like some backwoods Quebec town. And it was every guy fighting his last name was Charbonneau or Carbonneau or something like, who are these people, you know? And, but 
they would and most of the fights the dudes would square off they for about 35 seconds right they throw two punches and fall down it looked like the learned escape program and it was just like you know i'm not trying to knock the dudes that were in it at the time because there was some obviously good players in the league too but there was some it was like what am i watching here like this looks pathetic you know but at times you get a couple really good tilts and then just the all-out brawls like it was basically like it reminded you of watching like seventies NHL stuff when the Flyers would clear the benches and stuff. And yeah, all of a sudden this was like basically nineteen ninety eight, and they were. Do- I mean, that shit certainly wasn't happening in any other league, right? Like it wasn't happening in the NHL anymore, or in the minors, or anything. So all of a sudden you'd see this shit, and it was like, God damn, like <laughs> what the hell is? It was like a whole other world. And uh, oh yeah, and I have I put it up on my YouTube page if you would like the trainers are fighting on the ice or a fan comes on, he fights a player and it was just like, what, you know, but, oh yeah. So yeah, from there, the, you kind of, you follow the exploits of the uh, Quebec senior league. Right. Fuck. You know, I was, uh, John Searson, you know, he sent me that, the old QSPH on, I think it was like the early 2000s. So when the league started to kind of pick up a little bit, um, it's, it's funny because I, I think I've seen the footage on your, your channel you know and you you look at it and like you said it is it's like this this weird dimly lit rink and the 30 second square offs which carried over to the NHL fuck they still do today um but you throw two punches and then it'll go down or it'd be like a brawl or some some crazy shit so it, it was it's it, it was like almost like it started off as kind of like a little bit of a sideshow which I get people don't like of course uh there's some people out there that absolutely can't stand the LNA so they'll talk down on it but it's like it's in the it's in the league's roots, so it's almost it's almost fitting that it's been like that this entire time, and it's still kind of there a little bit from what I mean. It's like I said, it's a mere shadow of what it is now. But um, when did you kind of start noticing that there was some kind of bigger name guys kind of getting in there? Like was it was it probably like the last like two years of it being the QSPHL and then it turning into the uh, the old L and It was probably when Link Gates came in, almost if I had to guess. That's, exa- that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. yeah. It was right when Link got there, because I was, of course, a big Link a Link fan, and uh, that was, uh, and then, then I started paying attention to it, and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you hear like Robert was down there, and then you, I'd start seeing, and then I start getting familiar with like Mike Brault, so I started figuring out who the and and you know Dubé, you know Jacques, and then Paul Chance and guys like that, and Rock Isabel, and you know, so you'd start. Patrick Ellard, you'd start seeing the norm, the names starting to come up and you'd start, I'm like, okay, well, these are kind of the Quebec league guys. All right. You'd start paying attention to them and LP Charbonneau. There's another guy, you know, and uh, the Lahonas brothers. And it was just like, cause they'd start popping up on tapes a lot more. And then, uh, yeah, it was just, and then, you know, and of course, as I got more around the internet and of course the more people started talking about it and whatever. The real hard part initially, of course, with the Quebec League stuff was it's French. Right. You know, so, so I mean, they had QSPHL message boards, but everything was in French. And so, and I don't really remember Google Translate. Like, I was going to say, I don't think Google Translate was around then. No, it could no, it couldn't have been, or else you would have been using it. So, yeah, it wasn't. Or if it did, it was really, really archaic. So it was, it didn't make any sense when you're reading it back, but it right. was... So it, so really all it became was uh, pictures. You know, you'd see pictures. 
and you, and you know me and pitchers, right? So of course I'm saving everything because it's like, all right, you know. So, um, unfortunately, a hard drive crash later, and I lost all those pitchers. But uh, at, at one, it, I will say the league was really good at. Of course, that was more LNH when the LNH kind of started rolling. It 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 the uh, in the fight community, it had a lot of uh, momentum in terms of like the French folks had a there was a couple really cool message boards and and video clips started to show up and and pictures and uh yeah you could really start to follow it as much as you could if you couldn't speak french but uh and the initial the roots as it was still the quebec senior league was uh i started to follow it a lot more when yeah definitely when link was there right so would you say the league kind of started picking up a bit more prior to when it made that switch to the LNH, which I think was O two, if I if if my you know memory is right, looking at some players' hockey DBs who's been there, but would you say well, that's when it kind of really started picking up, or was it would it have been when it was the QSPHL, when it was that um oh fuck what is it the Less Chiefs Less Chiefs documentary, yeah that, that kind of spark you know the I guess was that was that still the Quebec Senior then I think it or was, was it? I think it was still the QSPHL then. Because okay. it would have been that would have been like see I think I think that was oh one or oh two, maybe I've been had you know Bajerni and fucking yep. guys like that in there. Fuck, it was his uh, brother that you know produced the damn thing. Uh, for those out there who don't know what the fuck we're talking about, go on YouTube and just look up real life slap shot or just look up Less Chiefs, and it's literally a documentary on the the Laval Chiefs that played in the uh, the Laval House of Pain out there in the old Quebec Senior League. And it's, it follows them for the whole season, and you get to see a bunch of crazy-ass shit going on. Really cool players living in the rinks and um, <laughs> fucking just causing mayhem all the time. It was great. Yeah, like that season, uh, I'm on it. Yeah, that was 0102 where the okay. movie was made. Because I'm looking at old Tim Levesque there. Right, uh, yeah, old Tim Levesque. <laughs> yeah, well, that, and I remember when I talked to Kopech, Dan Kopech on my show. The year that he was there was the year after they were filming, and that was 0203. Gotcha. And there was, yeah. Yeah, it became the LNAH in 0405. Okay. Yeah, I guess, you know, that's probably when kind of when it became the LNAH, that's probably when the money started coming in a little bit and they were started attracting more and more players. Like that's when you started getting the Morastis, the Mayrans, um fuck. Well, Terrio's been there since pretty much fucking day one of that goddamn league, um, in the early two thousands. But that's kind of when when the guys who were in the minor leagues and they kind of the money would kind of entice them to go there, and that's that's why some people will shit on the guys who played there, um, like uh, like the Morastis or By Lois or Wingfields, guys like that who had played in minor leagues before the LNH. But I don't think people realize that the amount of money that was actually rolling around in that league to you know be a little bit of an incentive to come play in the LNH. No, no, exactly. I mean, that was the thing, and it, I mean, it, it really started. It, it sort of, of course, attracted the French guys to come home, right? So because they only like played like what a, two games a week, maybe or one game a week, something like that. Oh yeah, and like even then, right? Because I'm, I, you know, as I look, I mean, the forty game schedule, thirty five game schedule back in like you know the early two thousands, maybe one or two practices, and then uh, you know, so guys could come home, and a lot of the a lot of the goal scorers. Um, came back from Europe, right. and so now, so now they're back home. They can get on with like go to school or get a real job, and then this becomes like a second, like a part time job, right? 
and they're at home every day, but they're still playing high-end hockey and getting paid decent. So that was always like the, the attraction for the local guys. And, you know, and the trips were short or as short as it could be in Quebec. I mean, you weren't on the bus for two weeks or whatever. Right. right? So, you know, and, uh, and then, like you said, and then if you can do all that and they're going to at least pay you the same as what you're getting in the East coast or something, then, well, you know, cause at that point the dream's over, right? You're not playing in the NHL. So it's all about the money. Hey, if you're going to pay me the same amount of money and I can stay home and, and get a job and whatever, and, and, get on with life and still play well then that was the attraction right yep so well fuck and then not only that if i mean if you were a big name fighter you were making way fucking more than what you would in the echl or ahl or whatever the case may be um i don't know exact numbers of course but if you know listen to guys who have played in the lnh on you know either my show or your show and they'll, they'll tell you that you know some of these enforcer guys the guys who were fighters uh, they're making up to uh, you know 100k a year, and that's yeah. quite a bit more. Two thousand a week, twenty five hundred a week, and you know, and all expense like place to live, and you know, oh yeah, you know. So that was that's why they did it. I mean, it wasn't you know, right. So like yeah. I said, that's what like everybody shits on them, and like we're you know we always talk about that. Well, so I I can go to a, you know I can play in the East Coast League and fight thirty times for seven hundred a week. Or I can go to the Quebec League and fight thirty times for twenty five hundred a week. Well, it's, it's you know it's not a real hard decision, you know if you if you you know now it's a lot crazier, you know and, and I mean in the East Coast League you could probably have some nights off or sleepwalk through a few games, you know because not every team's gonna have a guy or whatever. But yeah, there's there's none of that in the Quebec League. I mean you're not taking a night off. Right, you it know. was like every team was kind of like the Broad Street Bullies, where they they didn't. It wasn't oh, yeah. it wasn't one or two guys. It was you know two heavyweights, two, two lines, three middle, yeah. yeah, three middleweights and like four lightweights. You know, like so. Yeah, there was no night off. Don't get me wrong; they had to earn that check, but at the same time, you're earning way more. And I think the, the only reason I really think it gets kind of shit on is because you know the. I don't know the way you describe it is you're like the like the pageantry before the fight, yep. you know that that build up where yeah. they kind of drop the, the showmanship, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it, and it's the same thing in the you know what it's literally just a drawn out version of what they do in well I guess I should say what they used to do in the NHL, you know where they kind of square off, go to center ice a little bit, and you know then dance. But at the same time, well I don't mean literally dance. Don't don't take that literally because of course we got the Hurricanes out there now who literally fucking conga line dance so. Um, but no, so, you know, they'd square off and it'd take a little bit longer to, you know, actually engage, but it was just the build up, and, you know, the owners and shit told them to do that. And like we, like we said before, it's in the roots of the league, uh, since it was the QSPHL. So that's kind of why I think it gets a lot of flack and I don't think it should personally. Um, well, I none, mean, none yeah. of these fights were fake. There's, there weren't ducking punches or, you know, pretending no. to throw punches. This were all fucking, these were all real. They're all real fights. Yeah, well, this is where it becomes. It's that mixture of, because yeah, I mean, you'll even have ex, you'll even have ex players shit on it, you know, and and make mm-hmm. fun of the league and and whatever, and and that, you know, I, I get it. Like, I mean, you know, because it it's, there's pageantry to it, and there's a show, and it's not everybody's it, cup of tea. No, it's the WWF meets hockey, but it, but not in the fake sense, but in the in the show. And I mean, yeah, you watch some of the square offs, and it's like, oh come on, you know, like, 
Oh yeah, I mean I get it, but at the same time, that's you have to sort of suspend your disbelief, right? And uh, but the fight, yeah, like you said, the fights are real. But I said I think what the what the issue becomes with a lot of people, and this goes to this hockey Twitter thing or the hockey on like on your Facebook group. I've seen people talking about it, and whatever. Um, there's this fucking code. The code, oh, and everybody yeah. talks about this, and the violent gentleman and everything. So they look at this shit like, oh, well, that's all staged. It's pre-planned. Well, you can't you can't look at the LNAH through NHL glasses. Right. The NHL, the LNH was in a league of its, or excuse me, a league. Like well, it is a league of its own, but a world of its fucking own. Yes, it's a separate entity. It's a different, you know, like pro like it's pro hockey. How do I put this? Yeah. Everyone else is selling burgers. The LNAH is selling chicken. You know, they're they're different. It's it's different. It's the same. It's still a fast food restaurant. They just sell different stuff, right? That's kind of what the Quebec League. It's still pro hockey because they're making a shit ton of money, and uh, and the, and it's really good when they decide to play. Um, far and that's the thing that people don't realize. It's East Coast League level talent. Uh, AHL in some cases, like when the Quebec Radio X had a freaking million dollar budget fucking so <laughs> they had brushier they could, and they, shit <laughs> they could have they could have played against any american league team i can tell you that oh yeah you know eric fisho and net and shit the guy was just like what one or two seasons removed from the island you know so yeah it was it was no like everybody else oh, just a beer league you know, fuck you and your beer league yeah no this isn't you playing uh jiffy lube on friday <laughs> night at 10 o'clock no that's not the same not the same at all you know, well, like, like I tell those know. guys too. You know, if it's a beer league and oh, you look at that, you look at their profile. Oh, you know, I play beer league. You know, fuck it, you go play. Tell me how much of a beer league it is. Enjoy that fucking beer league, then, bud. Yeah. Well, first of all, you'd shit your pants and warm up, right? You know, as Joel Terrio is screaming at you from center ice, telling you you're gonna die <laughs> and vibrating <laughs> enough to shake the boards. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're gonna. Yeah. Settle down there. Fuck, just in the episode hero. just in the episode the other night I was talking about the old uh, the Samum Chiefs line. The the boss a sugged in fucking yeah. Burnett, Rabby, and uh who the fuck was the other one? Cote. Fucking Cote. Cote. Just that fucking line alone. Like, no thanks, yeah. dude. I'm not fucking playing tonight. There's no way in fucking hell. Because that's that's at that point, man, that's that's five heavyweights. That's no no, no well, exactly. Park. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. And every team had that, right? Oh, fuck yeah. Maybe, maybe not to that extent, but I mean, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, and especially when the close. money was... Sorrell was probably yeah. the closest team to them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, especially with, yeah, when they had Morasti, Renard, Lambert, Mayrad, Lawson. Dan and all. Uh, was the fucking, yeah, like, who's yeah. the other one could have gone any night. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So it was uh, Rushton. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was crazy. Fuck, I'm wearing Rushton's but, Pro Lab jersey right now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and, and that guy's a really good player too. Absolutely. But I mean, when he when he got there, he knew what he had to do, and he, he went there to make money, and uh, and that's what those guys did. And uh, yeah, so that's the thing. And that was yet like so all these guys, the tough guys, the named guys. Well, they were all named guys they, from the American League to the East Coast League. Even NHL. And now they're all they're all coming into one league. Yep. Like that was a jungle, man. Like like I said, I I had guys that got sent there and they came home within like 3 weeks and they're just like that is insanity. I can't and these guys weren't fighters. <laughs> right. But that that down then it, it down in that league it didn't matter. 
Like, it wasn't like Pat Cote was going to grab the 50-goal scorer. But if you were going to fucking run around and play hero, no, there wasn't any, we'll talk shit on Twitter. Or we'll, uh, afterwards in the media, we'll say next game we'll get you. No, they were going to get you then. Oh, yeah. Now. And if and if you got kicked out, they were going to get you when you're in the crowd. Like, there was, you were, there was, shit was going to, hell was coming that night if anything happened. So, yeah, you had, like, it was honest hockey. Like, it got really dirty and there was goofy shit, but you had, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Accountability. I was about to say you had to have accountability of your actions yeah. there because you would get. Yeah. It wouldn't be just one or two guys coming after you. It's 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 four to six fucking people coming after you if you want to play fuck yeah. around. Well, that's the thing. Like you watch the NHL now. Oh, you can go slew foot a guy in the corner, and then oh, somebody grabs you to fight. No, you don't. You can look at the ref or try to skate away, and it gets broken up, and you don't ever have to fight. Or or you can be like Nicholas Cromwell and fucking run guys for a fifteen year career and never fight. Right. Well, fuck, just the other night. Oh, yeah, yeah Ford, you could Joe try Ford that in the Quebec the League. Oh, yep. you could, yeah, yeah, you could punch the goalie and nothing happens to you. You could do that in the Quebec League. But there was not – you're, you're, you're going to die, you know, like right, right now. Because somebody if, – and if you didn't want to fight, you know what's going to happen? They'll just take – they're going to take your stick and cross-check you right in the face then. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> you can do one of two – you can do it. How do you want to do it? You want to get a stick? You want to lose your teeth with a stick, or do you want to fight? Right. You it's choose up to you. You choose, you choose which, which one I beat the fucking teeth out of you with. Exactly. <laughs> so and so that's why shit didn't happen like that. Absolutely. I think the you yeah. know the best way to describe that league honestly was how May Rand on your podcast described it. It was literally like a fucking like a Roman Colosseum was the ice. And it was like gladiators just going out there and just going to fucking war every night. And it was. And yep. well, and like we talked about before with the hockey going on and, you know, how, how actually good it was. Yeah, there would be, you know, two, three fights a game, even, even more in some cases. But, you know, let the three fights happen and there won't be a fight the rest of the game. And the hockey's actually fucking great. So everybody's going home satisfied. People who want goals, yep. there's goals. People who want fights, there's fights. People who want hits and saves, there's hits and saves. So I, I like people they see it and it's the staged fight. And I hate using the term staged fight because it makes it sound fake. In the LNAH cases, I don't I don't like to say the word staged or staged. I like to say like, you know, arranged. It was pre you know, pre planned. Obviously, you know, these guys are out there, they're getting paid and they're told that this is what you're gonna do. And, you know, if you want to make this paycheck, this is what you're gonna do. And the fights would happen, but at the same time the hockey was still great fucking hockey. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, like even it's just, just look. I mean, you had you know, yeah, like I said, the like Michelle Picard or played in the NHL or Daniel Gano or, I, I, or fucking what? Patrick Nadeau for the uh, yeah, almost said Lightning Patrick Nadeau, but for the Mallards, he was a goal scorer for the Mallards for the longest time in the UHL. Goes to Quebec Radio X and he's fucking putting up points. Same thing. Yep. Wes Goldie. Oh, fifty but, goals at Sorrell that year. But when know? they're but when they're doing it in, in the other leagues, it's fine. But of course, when it's the LNH, that's when it's oh the fucking idiots or stupid idiot you know stupid people going in playing playing goon hockey or retard hockey, whatever. But when it was yeah. in the other leagues, it was fine. Exactly. Yeah. So it was like no, no. When they when it was uh, when it was time for the show, the war drums would bang, bang and the show was on. But when it was time to play. I mean, at the end of the day, you still had to put the the little black thing in the net more than the other team. Yep. So, I mean, there's still, you know, you didn't win games based on fights. 
uh, who won the most fights won the game. Like, no, you still had to score a couple too. So yeah, no, they had ta- there was definitely talent for sure in that league. Absolutely. Well, you yourself, man, you actually had a little bit of involvement in the league. Can you, uh, you know, go go into a little bit of detail for the people out there? You know, what kind of involvement you had? Yeah, I had. I like I said, I I had uh, through. It's it, it, it's funny how the internet just makes the world small, right? Or puts you in contact with people through the like I was saying, getting footage and fight footage and really getting and was and just really kind of hungry for the for the league at the time, like knowledge to get knowledge and and everything did a lot of tape trading and ended up talking to a few guys in around the league that were involved in the league. And, uh, and they'd kind of bird dog scout. They'd, uh, cause it wasn't like, Oh, the Laval chiefs had a scouting staff and they were <laughs> going to watching junior games and stuff like, no, that was all word of mouth or they, you know, or they knew a guy that knew a guy. Right. Or they talked to their players. Hey, do you have anybody, you know, cause the hockey guys would be like, Oh yeah, well you can probably get my friend. He's playing in like, you know, Peoria right now or something so they that's that's how they got guys and I mean you talk to anybody that was tough back in the day every one of them got a phone call from the Quebec League like every guest I've had on my show oh yeah they phoned me all the time they would phone me and throw money at me same here fucking Segroy had it Andre Wall even had it during the lockout year yep yep and that was probably could have been me you know like you know I can't remember I mean we're talking 15 years ago at the time now you know 16 years ago, but it's like, um, not that I was really big on banging phones, but it was like, I, you know, I knew people, I had contacts with people, um, you know, cause my, you know, my brother played and stuff in college. And so, I mean, he knew guys that went on and played pro and, you know, from here in the summer in Saskatoon. And so you'd kind of, you know, Hey, what about this guy? And you'd, you'd kind of, uh, kind of start doing that. So we kind of make a few agreements with a few teams and it was like, if you got a player, they pay you. You know, if they if you got him a, a guy and he came down and signed and they kept him, yeah, they, you get a finder's fee, shit like that. Um, that's where I learned to really distrust the Quebec League teams and realize what they're <laughs> all about after you get fucked on money a couple times, you know. But, I mean, for me, it was, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, they're going to give me 10 grand if I got a guy. Like, I mean, we're talking a couple hundred bucks. Right. Like, fucking t-shirt or something, right? So it was like, it, but that wasn't the point. I was doing it to, uh, to help the guy out. You know, it was to help the boys and get yeah, a payday. Yeah, get the boys and, some money. Exactly. And so, you know, that's what it was about. And, uh, you know, got a few guys. And, uh, yeah, I don't throw names out or whatever. It wasn't like, oh, I got them sucked in or anything. But right. it, was, it was more just, um, uh, I don't know, like kind of third line, you know, grinder guys. The, you know, the, third, and, uh, the third middleweight of the, of the fucking, you know, seven guy heavyweight roster. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was funny. And there was a couple guys that I got that were skilled guys. Every once in a while, they wanted a skilled guy too. And, uh, and I got him a couple and I had one guy, I won't say his, you know, whatever, but he had played, he played junior, played in the Western hockey league for three years, was a very good player. Uh, went and played, call it, university hockey for four years in fact i believe he was actually university player of the year or he was in the running anyway so he was solid and at the time when he graduated with a degree but he you know i want to play one more i want to play a couple years of pro just to say i did it you know get out of my system and then go get a real job and get on with life and i heard through the grapevine but you know he had some student you know he had some shit that he wanted to pay off or whatever hey I can get you down and, uh, 
you know, you could probably make, they might sign you. Yeah, I mean, you're not a fighter, but I mean, you know, we can make probably 1500 a week, far more than whatever anybody else is offering you, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so, uh, but here, you talk to him. I'm not going to be your player agent. You know, you talk, here's the number or whatever. And he went down there and he shit the bed. Like, and I'm like, God damn, I thought he'd like tear it up, right? And I'm like, but, and he was the one that, he, one of, he came back about a month later and was just like, that league's insane, like, man. What I the couldn't... fuck did you send me to? Oh, yeah, because he didn't know, right? And it was just like, he kind of seen some stories, and you're like, or he had seen the movie, and it was like, oh, no, they don't live in the rink anymore. They'll get you an apartment and all that. And everything they did, they and they paid him, and they didn't screw him on that or anything. And he played, I, I shouldn't say he didn't shit them. He played okay, but he certainly didn't live I up to the hyper expectations. Yeah, I kind of. I thought he would do, and they did too, and whatever. It was sort of a mutual parting, and I, th- I think he went overseas and played after, and was a lot, whole lot happier. But it was, um, you know, I had a few of those, and I sent a couple guys for tryouts, and they didn't last or didn't make it, and you know, and like I said, I had a lot of, I ended up having a lot of battles with the, with the French folks. Uh, their mindset and my mindset were completely different to me. They're off their rocker. You know, I always say the Quebec league would only work in Quebec. It's That's funny. The only province, it was the only province that would work. In. If you look at the old, uh, oh, it's, a, it's a document. I think it was made in like four or like 2014 or 2015. And it's by vice sports. And it's like, you know, yes. LNH toughest hockey league in the world, whatever. And, you know, even the Quebec guy say, he's like, he's like, uh, you know, fucking it works in Quebec. Why it works in Quebec. I don't know, but it, it'll probably only ever work in Quebec. Yeah. Cause you're all <laughs> insane. All you French people are insane. Crazy you bastards. Know? You are, and it's well. They'll admit it, you know. And it's just oh yeah, like, they will. I'm not trying to sound racist or whatever, but it's like no, it's not. You know, it's not because no, you know what? Funny story. When I went up to go go meet Nylon up in Montreal, my my Uber driver was just sitting there, and he's like, "You want any?" Uh, he's like, "I don't know. Do you, like, do you listen to any certain kind of music or whatever?" And I was like, "You know, oh, you know I like uh, you know metal or country music." Well, of course, he's not going to have fucking country music up there. Uh, you know, metal and blah blah blah, and he's just sitting there, he's just fucking headbanging. He's like, he's like, honestly, Ben, he's like, some of us French people, we're fucking crazy. And I, I'm sitting there looking at him though. I'm like, I fucking like this guy. Like, he is, this is fucking great though. He's just playing absolute death metal. And you know, I'm on my way to see Nylon, and this is my first experience with any French person in Quebec I've ever had. And he's just an absolute nut job, and it was fucking fantastic. So you know, it's, it might be crazy and shit like that, but hey. It, it got a badass hockey league, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and it was just, um, and it was unfortunate. Like, uh, some of the guys that were involved in the league and stuff, which they're just they're scumbags. You oh, know, yeah. They, That's where some, you know, of the, some of the greasy shit comes out and you hear about oh, some yeah. of it coming out. And they ripped, the, they ripped the players off. And like I said, I had friends that coached in the league and stuff, and they got fucked over and shit. Especially they'd give it to the English guys a lot. And it was just, and I mean, the contracts weren't worth the freaking paper they were written on. You know, and they would, and they'd stiff you and shit. It was just like, I didn't like dealing with them. So after a couple times, it was just like, and I, you know, and like I said, I got fucked on my money a couple times, and it was just like, you know what? Fuck you guys. You know, so it left a sour taste in my mouth. But at the same time, but at the same time, I was still a fan of the league, and I liked what, you know, and you know, gave the guy, you know, it was just cool. You know, you like the tilts and whatever, but yeah. Yeah. I got to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm not helping you anymore. Cause at the same time, I mean, it was like, you know, that was the last thing I wanted to do was like send a guy down there and everything. He gets down there and they fuck him on his money. Right. Right. And then he looks like an asshole. Like, well, cause then who's the asshole, right? Yep. It's me. And it's like, I didn't want that. So I was thankful the guys I did send down, they all got paid. Everything that was promised to him 
went through. So that was okay. So I kind of figured at that point it was like, well, I'll, I'll get out of the, I'll get out when the getting's good. So well, I still have a you know, a little bit of a reputation. So right, but it was and it was unfortunate. And that's and that's really what did the league in. It's just that the owners got really greedy and uh, and you're and with any league. You're only as strong as your weakest team. Yep. And it got really top heavy and you had Laval throwing all the money around and Quebec Radio X and Sherbrooke and you had some rich teams. And then at the bottom you had like the St. Hyacinth or whatever, Tetford. And well, Tetford was always okay, but it was like, you know, just shit like that. And they just, they ate themselves. They, they got too greedy and couldn't afford it and couldn't pay guys. And they started ripping guys off. And the thing is, you're going to start ripping the boys off. You think they're gonna fucking tell all their friends to come play? Fuck Hell no! no. Yeah, and that's what happened. And then they went and, like everything in life, they tried to get politically correct, and then they tried to they put in the import rule that you have to be from the Quebec, yep. from the Quebec area or Ontario or something, and or yeah. or you'd have a or if you played in the league before you had a whatever. But other than that, it's like, okay, well, first of all, you have a hard enough time getting people to come to your league anyway. Now you're going to put more restrictions on it. It's just ridiculous. And now they, they're like, oh, well, we want to get the young guys just out of the Quebec Junior League that maybe didn't get drafted and be a prospect league. And it's just like, what are you talking about? Like, just stop. With the history you have, there's no way you can't, you can't try to turn that around because everybody's just going to look back at it no matter how much you want to progress your league. Everybody's gonna look back and be like, "Well, this was the fucking LNH. Are we really gonna, you know, get prospects from this league and take it serious? Like, kind of like in that in that aspect." And which exactly. I mean, it shows now. I mean, you look at a Sorel versus Laval game now. I mean, I watch the LNH. I watch it every Friday. Uh, you look at you look in the stands, and it's nowhere near like what you see in back in you know, sur- like the Mission versus the Chiefs back in you know, circa two thousand three. Yeah. Where it oh was hell! Just... Quebec Radio X was playing in the Coliseum. Oh yeah. Ten thousand people, you know, and it was just like, oh, they drew huge, you know, and it was like, oh yeah, and these teams were getting, you know, two, three thousand people, and money was flowing, and you know, money came from different avenues, but the money was still flowing. Right. But you know, there was always <laughs> that under CD element to it all, but. Uh, it, yeah, no, it was cruising, and uh, it, it's like, hey, you are what you are, and I mean, just you know, Embrace I'm not it. saying, yeah, because it's like you're you're not going to compete with the NA, like in the NHL. You have major junior. That's the whole point. You're successful is because you're not like any other league. Exactly, that's the reason you're successful. You're, yeah, well, and, and if any of if there was ever a time, at least that was the one thing. Even back in the early 2000s, well, the NHL wasn't completely Disney on ice yet. You know, there was right. still fighting. There was still tough guys in the American League. So, you know, now would be the perfect time because, I mean, people are just dying for anything physical. Oh, yeah. Fuck, it's and the it's reason the, I still watch the LNH today. Because it's the yeah. reason I don't watch the NHL because they still, it's not nearly what it used to be, but there's still emotion and physicality. Yeah. And then what are you guys trying to do? You're trying to go more legit like the other guys. Meanwhile, other people are, old fans are just starving to. Then that's the thing. It'll never be the old five, oh six, no, 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 never. Even if they, even if they opened it wide open and whatever, and made it, oh, we're going to spend all the money and we're going to get guys. Well, there just isn't guys to get anymore. That's just the facts of life. No, at this you point, know? it's just it's it's scraping like a Fleetwood on four flats at this point. You know? Yeah. But, no, exactly. I mean, you might be able to you might be able to like 
you could probably bring back a Gagnon that's playing in the Europe, or you could probably maybe talk the Gallant boys into coming if you throw enough money at them. Fuck, yeah, I, love, I would actually love to. You know, that's a great fucking idea. Fuck, you should be the marketing fucking goddamn agent for him now. But, but there's Getting stupid Gallant import in there. rule. Brett Gallant couldn't play. No, he couldn't. Brett or which Alex, is they friggin' ridiculous. So you could get like the probably toughest guy in hockey right now, but you can't play in your league because of your stupid import rule. Like it's just ridiculous that they did that. It's just come on, you know. Exactly. So it's like, ugh. well, actually. I don't know what the complete rule is. They may actually, they might be able to get the Gallants because they both played in the Quebec League, in the Quebec Junior League. Right. So maybe they could work. Maybe that does work. But I don't know. But this is the stupid import rule. But I said, look how desperate they are. They're signing friggin' Luc LeBlanc, Pierre Luc LeBlanc, and uh, Brashear and McMorrow. And like, I'm not knocking those guys. I don't want to say desperate like that. But I'm like, what are they getting? They're trying to big back that or bring back that like the folklore of the league kind of deal. Like, oh, like these guys, you know, look at their old videos. Like, look at their look at their old stats in the league. It was crazy. Yeah. So you're bringing back the these these late thirty year old. Well, who was the? I'm trying to think who was. Well, Brashear's back playing. Yeah, he's supposed to be. I don't. I don't know if he hasn't. Yeah, he's like 47 or 48. I think. I don't know if he's actually played a game yet, but he signed with Tetford. And um, well, he'll probably do fine if he actually fought. Oh, guarantee it, hundred percent. Why no? PL three is doing all right, although he's still only thirty four. Like he could still roll, right? But, uh, yeah, McMorrow. I mean, he's a little older and stuff, but he's you know whatever. But I mean, that's you know, what are we going to bring back the thirty somethings? Because you know, it's just hey, good for those guys. It's not like I'm knocking them. It's oh, of good course, to see no, them. we're not. not we're not knocking them at all. But it's like, but this is what kind of what it's come to, you know? Right. It's like. You know, and at the same time, it's like, you know, if we're going to bring guys in, well, I'm not going to go to the Quebec League for 300 a week, you know, or 400 a week. I, right. I, you I, know. Me personally, I just, I don't think the league is going to last another five to 10 years. That's what I give it. And it's unfortunate because actually, enjoy, I, literally, I, I enjoy sitting down and watching. Granted, I have no clue what the fuck the commentators are saying because they're all speaking French. But, mm-hmm. you know, I en- actually enjoy watching it. I do. Um, because there's still emotion and there's still physicality, but it's like the league is just trying to get more and more away from that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not like we said, we're not trying to turn it back into you know fucking circa 2004 and 2005. I don't need to. Oh, see I, that I'd love it if you could, but you can't. Oh, yeah. if you wanted to, yeah, absolutely. Because there is guys to do it. Yeah. Well, because even if you're trying to, get, you're getting all these guys to come out of the Quebec Junior League. Well, there's a what is there a five fight limit in the Quebec Junior League, so these kids don't fight anyway. Right. The so now so they're going to come to the Quebec League and be killers? Exactly. Like, no. It's just I mean, not. they'll fight, I'm sure, but it's like... It's just going to be know. exactly what the NHL is now, where there's no... It's almost like there's no... There's maybe two heavyweights rolling around, which is Wilson and Reeves, and then everybody else is just kind of that sporadic fighting, which, you know, again, not knocking the guys for you know, dropping the gloves. Anybody who has the balls to drop the gloves in front of an arena or for your team, you know, props to you. But at the same time, it's like... What's the whole reason you watch a heavyweight boxing match? Because they're masters at their craft. It's the same thing with like a hockey fight. You want to watch the best of the best fucking fight. You don't want to watch just Joe Schmo fighting, you know, Billy Bob. Yeah, and it's it, it, if and it's uh, so that was the thing. And if if they could get like six solid owners that have money, and, but give them a salary cap, make them stick to the salary cap. Yes, not but, not find ways not, around it. Yeah, well, they probably will. But I mean, at the same time. You know, don't get, you know, there's no reason to give anybody $100,000. But, right. you know, you could probably get them for a few bucks and uh, open it up, get rid of your goofy import thing, and uh, 
and kind of try to go back as much as you can, capable of going back a little bit. And I think their crowds would grow if they offered something that people aren't getting now. Right. Well, I mean, fuck, they used to, what, they used to guarantee fights. <laughs> it would be guaranteed yeah, two yeah. fights or, you, like, you know, you fucking get a free pizza or some shit like that. Nope. <laughs> but, you know, n- nonetheless, you know, I-, I wish all the best for the league, and it's the only league I still watch, so hopefully they'll always have that kind of element in there. But, um, you know. Look, that- I think it'll always be around, but I think it'll just, it's basically just going to become another like, league. kind of well, higher-end senior hockey. Right, is what exactly. You know, and it's like, because I mean, we because across Canada, there's senior hockey. I mean, they're in Saskatchewan here. So you and you look at the rosters. Yeah, you'll have a couple guys that played in the minors back in the day, and you know they all got real jobs now. But they still get they get paid trans or whatever, and right? Couple, you know, whatever. Couple, you know, they always say they don't play the players, but everyone knows that they do. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean it, but I mean they're certainly not making thousands or anything. But it's enough to cover gas and you know whatever. But, I mean, the league, but then they used to be fairly rough back, no, I mean, nothing like Quebec League standards, but I mean, you know, there'd be tilts and stuff back in the day, but now they don't really, The every every once in a while there's the odd fight, I think they get suspended now for it, but there's still the odd fight now and again, but uh, actually I heard Chris McAllister took a round out of somebody last year, but really? um, yeah, he was playing and whatever, some guy kept Somebody pushed the issue and uh, wanted to try them against the next NHL guy. Oh, here's my chance. I've seen this guy on YouTube. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I watched enough fight videos to know what I'm doing. Yeah, and uh, he quickly did not, found out he did not know what he was doing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, so there's still senior hockey, and they, you know, whatever. But uh, I think that's kind of what will end up happening to the Quebec League. But right. it was, uh, I'll tell you, boy, from about 02 to 2010, 2011, oh, what a glorious time. It was really in its uh, fucking world of its own, man. It really was. Oh, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. You know, but that being said, you know, like you said, at the end of the day, you're still a fan of the league and you enjoy it. So, you know, uh, you as a fan, give me your, give everybody your top five uh, players from the Quebec league. And by that, of course, we're talking about fighters. We're not talking, I don't give a fuck about finesse guys. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, oh yeah. I wasn't going to throw in Wes Goldie or anything. Right. But, uh, you know, like my five, Favorites or who I think the five toughest were. So we're going to do both. We're going to do your five favorites and then your your top five toughest. Well, my favorites. Well, number one, my boy, Swanson, Curtis Swanson, Swanee, beauty, love him. Yeah, and he was uh, came into that league at twenty years old, nineteen years old, twenty years old. Could bear. <clears throat> yeah, he was the. Now, like when they when there was like this league is like when people look at that league and stuff. Well, Curtis Swanson, yeah, he was not. He was well. He'll even admit he's a terrible hockey player, and and he he knew the right people that got him in there and stuff. But utterly fearless. Oh and yeah, fought everybody, and he had the long hair. And oh yeah, just like Chris shit. Simon. Just oh yeah, he won, hair. And he went, and he was he fight in a parking lot or he'd fight in the rink, whatever. He wanted to get his two fights in and let's go drink beer. And he was <laughs> called the cowboy and he always wore flannel and he drove a big rigging truck and his and he and he now owns a welding business out in Grand Prairie, Knucklebusters. Shout out to them. There you go, go yeah. check him out. Give old yeah. give old Swanee tell tell him fourth line voice and five for fighting sent you. <laughs> You probably yeah. you might never know who the fuck that is, but you know, just say it anyway. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But um, yeah, I loved Swanee. He was great, nice guy too. And uh, marathon fights, and I mean, oh yeah, he, him, and uh, 
I mean, you can always throw out the call. Oh, Marasty, bossy. I mean, that, you know, that's what everybody says. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to, well, I'll maybe throw a, a few names here that people, Manny Fichette. There's another one. Ooh, that's I love a good Fichette. One. Yeah. And he was in that league forever. Yeah. And just, um, yeah, actually I have, well, my next interview that's coming out with Marasty, John and I talk about Fichette for a while and he has big respect for Manny Fichette. Yeah. Cause he said every night that guy'd be there. Regardless, he said, some yeah. guys, some guys would try to pull the night off thing, but uh, he said he Manny was always there, and uh, yeah, and then uh, Mayrad, I was a big Dean Mayrad fan. I'm not, I'm not saying I'd suck up because he was on my show or anything, but um, no, Fuck, I, was, I love Mayrand. Oh, I was a huge fan, of even um, and again when I first saw him, I didn't know, like I knew he was from the West, you know, Western Pro and uh, and the United League, and I had never seen him before. Because you know, because back it's not like that footage is floating around. Back, I mean, I've right. seen it now. Especially with the shit like when he was with Tupelo. Like fuck, you're, you're not gonna find any fucking Tupelo footage. <laughs> no, no. So there's no way. And he, and he played Junior A in Ontario. So I mean, that footage or Junior B in Ontario. Pardon me. So I mean, that you know, it was it's one thing if they played in the Ontario League and whatever. You know, you might see him here and there, but yeah. So he was really out of nowhere. But I just remember getting a couple uh, DVDs. It was just like, who's this big dude? And it was, and he, you know, and he, he put the, and he fought everybody too. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I just kind of liked his style. And then, uh, of course, then he won the, the hockey enforcers tournament and shit. That was really cool. And, uh, no, I was always a real big, uh, Mayrad fan. So at the end there, when my friend asked me to, that he, we were putting together, he wanted help with a DVD he was putting together for Dean of his career. That was a real real thrill for me to be able to help out on that project for, you know, to give it to Mayrad. So who was, uh, who loved it. So that was, that was really cool to be able to help him out. And in terms of like fanboying out or whatever to, you know, just to help the guys out is always a, as a fan is always, uh, kind of cool. So, uh, right. But, you know, yeah. Dean, I was a big fan of Mayrad. Um, Danica Lassard. Fuck, I, you know, he was supposed to come back this year, but he hasn't played a game yet, so I don't know if he's actually going to do it or not. But he's got, I think he's seven fights away from his his 500-fight, you know, uh, total that he's trying to get. Yeah, well, and, there, and there's another guy. Like, I didn't know who he was. I remember getting the old, because he was back in the old QSPHL days. Oh, yeah. And and it was like, I, who is this Lasard? Like I said, you'd watch the thing, and there's like freaking 18 Lasards fighting, right? It's like, I don't know. Right. But there was kind of this, like, kind of shorter jacked up looking dude that would just machine gun and i'm like okay well all i always knew with him was he was number 55 all the time <laughs> you know so i'm like okay that lassard that guy i don't That's know which one not the other 14 yeah yeah exactly so i was a big fan of his and uh you know and honestly probably another guy that i really liked that you had on your show was tice well, fucking Tice. Yeah, I don't know if like I, I, again I mentioned in the show, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody have more fucking knockouts than him. Exactly, and and like I said, you'd play those old Quebec League QSPHL tapes, and it was like he's just like knocking dudes out, and then fuck, he's looking at the bench and he does the running man, and it's that's like, probably oh, I forget who I think oh. that was on Lassard or no, I don't know if it was Lassard, but he definitely oh. I know he, he he definitely knocked out Lassard. It was that Gerwing guy, Jonathan Gerwing or something? Yeah, but yeah fucking knocks the guy out with one punch. Like, you're squaring off and then one punch. And the guy just looks like he's dead lying there. Oh, and yeah. Tice, Tice does the running man to their bench. I'm like, that's fucking cold, man. Oh, like, fucking, oh. oh, brutal. But it's, 
it's one of my fa- that's probably one of my favorite knockout clips I've ever seen. It's it's still it it makes me laugh as bad as that is to sound, but it it just fucking does. Like there's nothing more. It's it just imagine a cocky bastard. And Dan Tice is not the biggest dude at all. He's no. he's like five. Uh, fuck, I forget his stats. He's he's probably about five ten, and yep. maybe two hundred pounds. I don't even. I think that's probably fucking a stretch too. Um, but he's a fucking native and he would just, just knock dudes the fuck out and then just don't give a shit afterwards, you know, pump up the crowd or like you said, do the fucking running man away from the guy and right to the box and just fucking just put it right in their face. Like who else you got? Let's fucking go. Oh yeah. And like, I mean, you'd see him with his gear off and shit. Yeah. Like, you know, it wasn't like he was jacked or anything. No, he just, wasn't. Yeah. Uh, he's just sort of there. But dude had thunder in his hands. Oh yeah. Oh, I asked him. I, I was like, I was like, how the fuck did you? I was like, did you just like do something that makes people like you knock the fuck, like knock guys the fuck out? And he's like, I don't know how it just happened. He's like, he didn't really like train. It wasn't like he was just lifting nothing but his right arm or some shit. You know, it just fucking happened where it, he just he was able to hit everybody right on the button every yep. time. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, if you want to really go back, yeah, I mean, you had Brault and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, he knocked a lot of dudes out too. Iron Mike. Brault was weird because I mean, even when you watch those old, the old QSPHL stuff, like we were saying with these guys squaring off and they throw two punches and fall down, and they always just look like who would they get these guys from? You know, Mexico. Like it was just Brault was the one because of course Brault was all over these tapes, right? But he was the one guy. You're like, okay, like this guy's legitimately played somewhere before. Because right. you could just tell, because he didn't fall down by th- with throwing a punch or, you know, like you look like he'd actually done it before. Some of these guys look like they were just, you know, they're like, they're like when there's a fight in your pickup game and it's like two guys sort of like they spaz at each other and fall down. And oh, that's kind of what a lot of, that's kind of like what a lot of those fights look back, like look like in the 90s. You know, yeah. like I, bunch, I was going to say, the know. only fight I was ever involved in was me just getting fucking dummied. So there's that, but <laughs> so I don't you know, know too I mean? much about like, what it looks like. like. Yeah, yeah, like it was like guys that maybe like were tough bout. Like I mean, I think Jacques Dubé, I think he was just like had the rep as like one of the toughest bouncers in Montreal. Right. So they got it. They taught him how to skate and just made him fight. You know, I think that I think that's what happened. You know, and there was guys like that that were playing in that league. They would just find like local tough guys. You know, maybe they were enforcers for the mob or the angels or something. And it was like, well, hey, come out and play with us. And, you know, we'll give you a you know ham sandwich. And yeah, a case come of on beer to the LNH or the QSPHL enlist today. And get, get yeah, yeah, exactly. Paycheck. And they, but, so you get these guys squaring off. And, you know, if it was a street fight, yeah, they were probably freaking killers. But, I mean, on ice, we're completely different. Yes, so, yeah, they square off for 45 seconds and then no balance and they'd both fall down, right? So... It, was, yeah. it had nothing to do with not being tough. It was just the balance. They were such shitty skaters, right? Right. But Mike, but Brault, when you'd watch, you're like, okay, this guy obviously played some junior hockey. It's like, yeah, I know he never played major junior, but he had to have played junior B somewhere or yeah. something. Because it was like, you could tell he had a clue. Because he could throw a punch and he could stay up and whatever. And he knocked a lot of dudes out, too. And for those out there who don't know who Mike Brault is, he's actually, I don't know the exact number on this. Maybe you got it, man. But he he holds the record for the most, like, recorded hockey fights of all time. Now, I know it's 600 and something fights. I know it's up there. Um, I don't know the exact number. Is is it like 648 or some shit like that? 
I, yeah, that's what I. Yeah, I think so. I'll have to go back and, and look. And then that's the thing, and I'm and I'm pretty sure, like the old QSPHL. I don't know how solid those stats are from the right. early years. So there might even be a few fights missing, honestly. Oh, I probably for sure. Yeah, because it was the QSPHL, then it was the LNH, and then it was like the QSPHA. Or like yeah. the LHSPQ, whatever. I don't know. It was, it was a bunch of crazy fucking... It was like literally like the AHL feeder system for the LNH, which you wouldn't think existed, but it actually does. Fucking Tice was well, in that, it, too. I remember that was a real wild thing. I remember when the league was really cooking and uh, and and guys were making a ton of money. A, 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 like a kind of a double-A league sprung up. And there was always like these offshoot leagues in Quebec. and And they were like really nuts and the, yeah, they were worse a, than the lnh oh yeah like in terms of goofiness but it was like a tier two almost but some of those teams had like a like had money behind them and they would get local guys that they probably weren't paying nothing to but they would throw it like i know boss they played yeah, there Bosse was in 20. there tice was there yeah, dube was there for yep. a bit i because they threw i i believe terrio i because they because the players started bargaining against the other team with the lnh teams because it was like that was almost like their because it wasn't like Steve Bossy was gonna you know e- either you pay me this or I'm gonna go play with the Rochester Americans right I mean, that wasn't thing right so but I can go play with these guys and they're gonna pay me more and so and they'll and it'll be cash instead of on the books blah 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 and whatever so yeah so those guys jumped a couple times they got a couple guys down there and oh yeah. And then every once in a while, so you, and then some guys stayed down there for a few years and then came back up to the LMAH. And I mean, you get Bull Duke and all the Chance and all those guys, Pat yeah. Eller, all those guys. And it was like, oh, yeah. So some of those, because I got some was of there too. Lassard was in there. I remember, you know, thinking yep. about it now with Tice um, and, his, and his fight card. HSPQ or something. I can't remember what it was. But. And actually, you know, fun fact about that league, that league, out of all the leagues that have, like, you know, recorded stats for it, that has the most fights per game average, and even over yep. the LNH, it did. Oh, yeah, and it was and it was certainly, like, uh, I never knew Dan Tice was an American. Huh. Yeah, he was born in America. Well, fuck, the, no, that shows you you really didn't listen to the damn episode then, I guess, huh? I did listen to it. I know. Yeah, <laughs> it just surprised me for some reason. But, oh, yeah, like they had, oh, yeah, like Schwinnigan and River DeLoop and, you know, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, they had, uh, yeah, I'm just sort of looking, yeah, for shit. Yeah, that Ronnie Valentini and yep. Thierry DeVol and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah, so kind of like the local French guys. Yeah, sort of. Uh, I hate calling them tier two because that's not the right fucking. Well, I guess I, I, I just say like the feeder system to the LNA. Yeah, yeah, you know. But a lot of the guys, like the name guys, whatever you want to call it. They yeah, they. Uh, yeah, well, because they were playing one off another, and yep. uh, you know, and from and like there, like I said, there was a ton of money getting thrown around that league. Right. Well. We'll fucking wrap it up here with your top five LNH guys of all time. Not your favorite, just the top five in your opinion. Well, uh, I would just say in terms of number one, um, probably just for longevity. And I mean, he's, you know, would probably be Terrio. Yeah. Would be number one. Joel. He played years um, there. Oh, yeah. Like a lot of people probably say Bosse, but. Bossy really didn't play that long. No, he didn't. He played what maybe four seasons into like yeah. three and a half. Yeah, and the first year he was in Verdun, I mean, he, he wasn't was kind of, anything. Yeah, he's special. He didn't get his feet under him yet. 
Yeah, so he was a he was kind of like the the shining star for a couple of years there, and of course the him and the him and Morasti put on and and that was the other thing I didn't when I was researching Morasti I mean I knew John forever but he didn't actually really play in the Quebec League that long either. No, Not his really. first stint was maybe two and a half seasons, and then he had like another. It was like a half, like maybe a full season for the last like two years. He actually played in the league, but he only played like certain games because he was flying all the way out from Saskatchewan. Yeah, yeah. So I and you know I, I don't oh I don't count those. I'm not, not saying that, right. but it was. Like, but I'm kind of talking that old five ish that kind of year. It's just because that he had of, he had so many fights. You'd think he'd play there longer, but he didn't. It's just because he fucking fought every goddamn person out there. Yeah, no, exactly. You know, and I mean, kind of got to throw him in. And I mean, another guy that I would put in there would be Varhog. I mean, Mike Varhog. Yep. He was there for a long time and he didn't. And again, little, little Bambi when he first got there, you know, tall, lanky kid. But um, when he kind of got rolling, he, he got, he was really, uh, the one year, 0405, he got really going. And uh, here's a little insider tip for you guys. Uh, the one year, it was 05-06 when Cote buckles Varhog in the preseason. Yep. And Varhog, uh, again, anybody listening, go to my YouTube page, type in Mike Varhog versus Patrick Cote. It was a preseason game in 05 06. Um, Cote, it's, a, it's a really good even fight. And then Cote comes out of his jersey and, and clips him right on the chin, and Varhog goes down. But in the process of going down, he blows his knee out. And, uh, and he was out for the year. And and Cote, after the fight, really mocks Varhog as he's lying oh, there. Yeah, he's giving it to him. Oh, and he's rolling around on the ice and pointing at his knee. Well, there was a lot of personal animosity in that fight. Cote really wanted Varhog. He was really mad at him because the year before, I think Cote was hurt. And Varhog came into Laval and really put the beats to the Chiefs that year. And really kind of... In Cote's mind, I don't know for sure, but in Cote's mind anyway, really kind of put on a show and really showed up the Chiefs and Cote, really. Right. I don't know if he ever said anything to him or really mocked him verbally to Cote, but Cote took it like he was anyway. So I know people that were there, and he was saying before the game, I'm going to get that motherfucker, and he's going to fucking pay. He got And him. he did. And he got <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so there was a lot of anger in that fight with Cote. Right. But then speaking of Cote, well, there you go. I mean, number four. Well, I mean, you know, I've, you talked, I've had a number of guests on the show and they've all said the same thing. Probably the meanest guy they've ever played with. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and did not give a fuck. No. If he, hurt, if he hurt you, didn't care, you know, like they, whatever. There it may was have all- been um, some extracurricular stuff kind of a uh, pregame <laughs> going oh, on yeah. as far as you know what kind of drove him to do that because of course you talk to people about him you know when he was in the nhl and it was like almost a different cote yeah so when he got to the lnh it was um <laughs> he he got a little wired pregame we'll say you know took it a, a pretty good pretty good pre-workout um yep and so well, he I think, just did and that i think shit. there was yeah and there was so, and he had so much other well yeah. clearly he's He's in jail now for bank robbery, and, and he stuff. wants to stay there too. He got he got offered to get out, and he said, "No, fuck it, keep me in jail." So I think you know, it's, I, I so, so there's wires have crossed in his head somewhere at one point. Yeah, well, and there's issues there and whatever, but I mean, he was you know he was working for the well, it was no secret he was working for the mob at one right. time. 
you know, and uh, so there's a lot of off ice issues there. So, I mean, you know, you, you combine all that with the hockey and it was like, you know, yeah. And this was his chance to basically be violent yep. and get paid for it. Right. So yeah, you're going to get violence. All right. And uh, yeah. And uh, I throw already said for Um well, he was my favorite, but I, yeah, I mean, you could throw him in there. There's another guy, you know, another guy that you could put in there because he did it in that league for a long time was Tidball. I was just about, I was gonna ask if you like if you didn't throw Tidball in there, I was gonna ask why, why you snubbed Tidball, but yeah, he did yeah. it for a long fucking time. Yeah. He did, I think he like he pretty much played there his entire fucking career. He had like two seasons elsewhere, I think he had one in Elmira with UHL, yeah, and he was in Flint too, yep. yep. And then that was pretty much it, everything else was always LNH, yep. I was always actually really surprised his brother didn't go there, Brandon. Yeah. Because he was a tough dude, too, and he, he gooned it up in the Quebec League, and he got in Saskatoon here, too, in the Western League, and then played a, like a year pro, and then that was – I don't know if he got hurt or what happened, but I kind of figured, well, his brother was – because his brother at that point was in that league, and I'm like, oh, Brandon's got to go there. But, of course, but again, maybe his brother – he saw what it was doing to his brother, and he's like, yeah, forget it, you know, maybe. But, right. uh, yeah, he was – poof. Yeah, the amount of fights he put up, and I mean, but there's always a but, like you know, like McMorrow. There's yep. another guy. I mean, people could say what they want about him and his fighting style, whatever. But I mean, hey, he did. I it. mean, the dude holds the record for most fights. What is it, eighty-seven in one year? That's ridiculous. Like, yeah, like I don't give a shit what your fighting style is. That's still eighty-seven fights. I mean, yep. you know, you're gonna get hit, right. regardless. You know, like uh, even if you win them all, you're still gonna hit, get hit. So in your hands and like, I don't know how... McMoran, it's interesting with him. He never had hand issues and stuff, which is amazing. No, he didn't. You know? Yep. And I mean, you know, and like I said, I mean, yeah, he's a wrestler and whatever, and, you know, eh. And I know, I, you know, even on our shows, we've had people, you know, whatever, put the mouth to him and shit about his style and whatever. And like I said, those are the guys, that's their opinion. Hey, they were in there fighting him. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm on the sidelines, so I can't say anything, you know, but at the end of the day... Like I said, dude's still done it four or five hundred times and still doing it today. So right, exactly. He's still doing it this year, so he's still fucking. He's still throwing down. Yeah, well, and the same like Brandon Christian. He was there for a long time. I mean, you can say what you want about him, but I know a lot of guys shit on him and stuff. But I mean, he did it for a long time. Another guy was there for actually a decent amount of time, even though even after the NHL and whatever was actually a Frankie Lassard. I think he spent like six seasons there at least. You know, yeah, the thing the end is, of probably- his career. Yeah, and he'd probably still be there, but they fucked him on money. Yep. So, you know, Cornwall, when he was there, I believe. You know, yep. I know he got screwed up a couple times. And that, was, that sucked. I really wanted Cornwall to do well because it was like, oh, fine, like, you know, whatever. But it was like, oh, an English team, right? Like, right. you know, they're in Ontario and, you know, and because I was just thinking, you know, hey, maybe we can get some, like, some English guys will come and play for the Ontario team, right? Like, that's kind of what I was hoping for. But I think that whole... I know. I, I remember talking. There's a, a, a girl on Twitter, Ashley March, that I that I talk to now and again, and she was actually really right when Cornwall had their team. She was sort of really into it and was kind of reporting on the team and sort of mildly working for them. We'll put it that way. And so she was kind of giving me the inside dirt, and it was like it was a shame because they actually I think they actually drew pretty good and they had a nice rank. But it's, it's something like they wouldn't let him sell beer or something. Like this town oh, would. Oh, yeah. But you're not going to fucking get any fans with that shit. Exactly. Especially as a I'm minor like, league. Yeah, it was something It was something stupid like that. It was like, well, 
yeah, they're they're putting the fucking kibosh on this right away. And then I think the the, the city kind of got wind of what the league was like and the shit show, and it was like, oh, well, this isn't family entertainment. <laughs> we didn't you know, hear about that the, as if they didn't research the LNH before and see anything well, else going on. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it was all that kind of bull, which is too bad. But they had some tough. They had Tidbull on their team for a yep, while too. They did. But it was, um, yeah, but I think Lassard, yeah, he got it. They kind of pooched him on money, and I think he just said, ah, screw it, you know. I think he, runs, I think he owns a gym now or something. But, yeah, yeah Frankie, uh, like, oh, yeah, there's been lots of guys. And it's funny, even when you kind of go through, like, the history of the league, it's the names that pop up surprise you sometimes, you know, like Troy Crowder, Bruce yep. Shoebottom, the Roberts brothers. Roger Maxwell, Ro- fucking Dodie Wood. Well, Dodie Wood, yeah. Well, Maxwell was there for a few years, too. Yeah, he put up a lot of fights a few years. Um, yeah, just like, yeah, like you said, the names that come up, right? It was just like, like shoe. I already said shoe bottom. But, yeah, it was just like, really? And, I and like, you know, I think they thought it was going to be an easy pay. Lyndon Byers, he came. Yeah. And I, he was involved in that huge brawl in the preseason. And I think he, I know he got the tar beat out of him in that brawl. And it was just like, okay, I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> but I think they came and they think, oh, senior hockey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat up on a couple locals and collect my 500 bucks, right? Well, yeah, you might never have heard of Danik Lassard, but he ain't no local yokel, yeah, right? He's, like, not, he's no slouch. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, right? They, some of these big name guys would come in and they'd look at a Dan Tice or a, you know, or a Lahonis or guys like that or a Mike Brault or something, and it was like. Oh, they're just some local French goofs, you know, playing pickup hockey. Right. Little do they, little do they know. Yeah. Well, they realized about three punches in that all of a sudden shit got real. Yeah. You know. So, and then that happened to a few guys. Yeah. Oh, well, Steve sure. McIntyre. A lot of people don't realize he played in that league. He sure did. You know. You know, and I think he left because he got stiffed on money too. But yeah, he. Uh, yep. Ken Tasker and Kevin oh, Holiday. Like, yep. A lot of them did. Fucking yep. hey. You know, they might not have had like, you know, glamorous careers there, but fuck they played there. <laughs> you yep. know. The yep. league's got his pedigree. But um you know, that, that was fucking great, man. You know, a lot of inside information and you know, you've taught me a lot about the league and fuck, I think you've only you, you've only made it worse. Especially my fucking pocketbook because now I got a bunch of L and H game worn fucking jerseys in my goddamn closet. So you've really stiffed me on some money here too. You know, feeding the addiction. <laughs> with well, the you know what's re- you know what's a real piss off, and well, and thankfully, I mean, we knew guys that were recording, but damn, I wish they. I mean, like I always say now, I mean, oh, you can they broadcast all the games now. Where the hell was this in 05? Oh yeah. yeah, there was like a couple games on RDS, and then other than yep. that, though, there wasn't shit. Yeah. Oh, I remember that, and that was a big deal when they were on RDS, and the players would get fired up for that. I remember talking to Swanson when Laval was on. It was during the lockout, and they uh, they were playing Quebec. I think there was like ten fights that game, and I think five were off the opening faceoff, like run after another. And I know Swanee was really mad. I can't remember who he fought, but he got pumped pretty good, and he was mad because it was on TSN or French right. TSN or whatever. It was a big time, right? But wow. yeah, and they had a big crowd and whatever. But yeah, there's um, yeah, it was. I don't talk to my buddy there because uh, there's so much stuff. I remember because I talked to him. Because he, when he was coaching, I mean, obviously he can't go out. He didn't really go out with. The, he can't go out with the players and stuff, right? So, right. He, and he's an English guy, so he'd basically just be at his apartment, just sitting there. And at the time, I was laid off. So in the winter, I got laid off from my job at the time in oh four oh five and whatever. So I would just like phone him, 
and he'd just tell me, like I'd phone him a couple times a week and he would just tell me what happened and tell me stories and what was going on behind the scenes and, you know, and all oh, the stories were awesome. Right. So you get the insider information and, but there's so much, and like I said, it's 16 years ago, I forget it all, but I'll have to, I got to phone him here and kind of get a refresher and stuff and uh, I'll have some more stories. We'll have to do this again, but because the stories are endless. Of course. You know? Fucking A, from that league, everything, you know, there's so much shit that had just happened in that league that, you know, just, we're only reaching the surface here and we've been talking for an hour and that's not even like the fucking half of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, wow, well, and that's the thing and that's just like a fan's perspective when you get the players involved. Oh, right. And, you know, and you get some guys that uh, that are willing to talk about stuff. Yeah, it. Uh, you know, you could you could do a seven-part series. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, fucking hey, that's what we're here for. So you know, doing a two-part series at least. We'll, you know, hopefully we'll see see how many more guests I can get on after this. But you know, can't thank you enough for coming on, man. It's always a good time fucking talking to you. Fucking, we'll go on for you know three days if if it was up to us. But <laughs> oh yeah, we talked about like a bunch of little old ladies in a knitting circle. I mean, oh, exactly. even after you get stopped here, I'm sure we'll be on the phone here for another hour. Oh, hundred percent. You know, you know. Well, we're gonna got to talk shit about the biscuit and guys like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fuck the fuck those Flint, Michigan guys that don't even get us started on fucking Big Ran. Oh, I'm not talking about Tito. We're done. I'm not <laughs> we're done. I'll cut it off right there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, it's been fucking real. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for the, all these uh, great LNH stories. I think people are gonna love it. Oh, I hope so, man. No, I appreciate you having me on. Always, always a pleasure. Well, you have yourself a good one, man. You man, take it easy. All right, and here we are with the LNA special with the very the very first guest here, uh, the player guest, is none other than Curtis Swanson. Curtis racked up a stupid amount of penalty minutes and managed to get 62 fights in a single season back in the LNH. Curtis, how you doing today, man? Very good. How are you? Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to sit here and come onto the podcast and, you know, uh, give us a little, little background on the league and kind of a uh, little inside information on it since it's kind of... Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's it, it's it's a league people even today still kind of haven't heard of. I'll mention it. And people are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, which is crazy enough to think with how all the theatrics and everything that went on in it. But, um, you know, hopefully it could shed some light on the league for us today. Well, it's definitely a diehard league. And then with it being in Quebec as well, I mean, not a lot of people really look at Quebec quite the same. But <laughs> I thought it was just a treat to play there. I mean... I went there 20 years old and I still had a year of junior eligibility and I'm like, these guys will pay me to play hockey or I'll, well, <laughs> play half a shift and fight twice a game. I was loving it back then. And I mean, after a few years, uh, money got better and I mean, it was a great lifestyle. We practiced once a week and played two games. I fought probably on average three times a weekend and I found the fighting was the easy job. Everyone, right. Lots of guys will say that it's tough, but it's pretty easy to show up to a fight. I mean, I felt bad for the goal scorers. I couldn't put that puck in the net. <laughs> and, I mean, the league itself, I've never seen anything like that where the, every team when I was there, your minimum team, which I usually ended up on because – I know Tetford Mines, we weren't overly stacked. When I broke into the league, it was with Jean Kerr. 
and I had no idea what I was getting into. I was going to ask if you like so when you when you initially came into the league, when you your first game there, did you kind of look around and you were like, "What in the fuck did I just get myself into?" Or were you like, you know, "Hey, screw it, I'm here to fight. Let's kind of go," you know? Yeah. Well, we had a couple inter squad games up in Jean Pierre, and if you're not familiar with there. With that, John Kirby, two hours north of Quebec City through a mountain pass, and one in eight to ten people can speak broken English. So there is <laughs> nothing. And I'm coming from Western Canada, never seen anything like this. And get out there, and after the, I think my first preseason game, I fought Craig Martin. Oh. Of course. <laughs> right. The second preseason game, I fought Roger Maxwell and another guy. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I went right into her. And my first year, I took a ton of lumps because I didn't even really know who these guys were. I'm just like, they're big, strong. They can actually play a bit of hockey. And right. those well, two guys no, played. There was no game tape or whatever back then. You know, it was kind of still all new. There wasn't the YouTube around. So. You just kind of heard maybe some rumblings or some shit, and then you kind of look at the PIM totals, and you're like, well, fuck, maybe I'm going to have to go with this guy tonight, I guess. But um, what was it like fighting yeah. Roger Maxwell, man? Uh, it was good. I definitely – he knew I had shitty balance because that was my <laughs> Achilles heel. and That's what I've been told. With... That was your your one weakness you had was your balance. <laughs> yeah, well, I came from – minor background like two years of junior b right. and then i go to fighting xahl guys in quebec i mean i learned as i came as i went there <laughs> right gonna take your lumps and learn as you go right <laughs> yeah like roger he had a solid punch he never really hurt me but he definitely got me down and actually shook me out and onto the ground i actually ended up working with him after we were done hockey He's living in Grand Prairie now, and I went out with him two weekends ago to the bar. Oh, really? No shit. So, yeah, I think I finally got him back my last season. I caught him with a good one and bloodied up his nose a bit. and He went down in that one, and I was quite happy to finally get him back. Right. <laughs> well, that's awesome, man. Um, so, you know, the first season you had there, you were with, um, excuse me if I don't pronounce this right, because of course these are all going to be like French names, and I don't speak a lick of fucking French either. Um, yeah. But it was, would it be, would it be Saguenay? Yeah, Saguenay, Jean Kierre, so. Okay. Yeah, it's Jean Kierre, Chicou to me is kind of like two little, uh, I guess bigger towns up there side by side. And yeah, that was where there was zero English, and it was me and Yannick Dallaire. I was just about and, to ask, because looking through the roster here, man, it looks like it was it was you and him, and that was pretty much it. And, I mean, this is 0405, so this league is fucking prime when it's about, um, God, it probably had to have been, what, uh, you know, Sorrell Tracy and Laval running show back then at that point. Oh, uh, yeah, and Verdun, and oh, the yeah, Radio Verdun. X at, oh, fuck, Radio yeah, X at Brashear. Yep, that's right, Radio X that year, because that was the lockout year. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, they were stacked. Like, my first... Uh... I guess my second weekend of preseason, the Radio X come to town, and we got Sebastian Cron in our net, the old Penguins goalie. So he's oh, our big man. ticket. <laughs> and they're cycling in our zone. I'm out actually playing a shift in preseason. And Cron covers the net up, and Brashear tips the net around him. So really? I skated up to Brashear, and 
gave him a whack in the back of the legs, told him to stay the fuck away from my goalie. And he turns around, what did you say, kid? Stay the fuck away from my goalie. And he just laughs and skates off the ice, and I'm pretty much hard out of the chest. I've basically got no business trying to fight him, but you can't just ignore someone going at your goalie. Right. But I was actually kind of left alone. I think the super heavies at the time felt fucking terrible for me. Because <laughs> it's me and Delaire and then right. like Laval's got Cote there, oh. Rosensoff and Pesiak. Laval's got Terrio, Bosse, not to mention Bone and all the other guys. And that's just one Radio team. Like, it's just crazy. Yeah, and those are just the high-end guys, like Jason Clark still in Verdun, yep. and Farhog was in, I think, Shearbrook. Uh, Radio X had Dubé, Brashear. Uh, Chad Richards was there at that time, too. And he was one of the bigger names that year, I thought. Or at least as far as a giant. Right. He's a big boy and a pretty good resume. And I think one of the most common fights I had was with Bajerni. Oh, and Bajerni yeah. actually got ragged on because I got to know him later on the next year. And he's like, yeah, I was telling like Terrio and the boys that Swanson was going to be pretty solid. And they laughed at me. So <laughs> it was kind of nice the following years being able to climb the ranks a little bit. And I was always a volume guy. Right. I might not have been the most entertaining or the toughest guy, but Oh, but fuck, did I you show up? up. Yeah, 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 you fucking did. <laughs> and for those who don't know what we're talking about here, here's we're going to get into the next year here. Um, and here's where your fight card starts. So here's where we're going to really get into the meat and potatoes here. But your, your 05-06 season, you're with Laval, and you managed to rack up 62 fucking fights, man. And that's just regular season. I don't know if you had any in preseason. But that's just regular yeah. season. I'm sure you had some in preseason. And in playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And in playoffs. Let's see. Is there any in postseason? Oh, yeah. You got, it says for here, at least it shows you as two. Um, I don't know yeah. how accurate that is. So 64 total fights in a season. That is, that's unreal because it was just DeLaurier for the Ducks. Um, just, I, think I think he's at just, nine. He just hit 10 today. Yeah. I, or last night, I think. Something like that. Somebody just posted it. And that's for a season in the NHL. And I don't even know if the NHL has 62 fights this this year. That's yeah. just insane to think about, man. So did, was you did, was it the like? Did you just have a switch go off in your head? Like you know, fuck it. If I'm gonna be here, I'm gonna go you know full throttle and just go all all in for it and just fight anybody and everybody. Pretty much. I mean, that year I wasn't even supposed to make the team. They weren't going to sign me in the summer because really? I didn't do phenomenal my first year aside from showing up and then uh, Laval ended up signing Kurt Walston my old junior B coach and he was the assistant to Bobby Dallas so having him there he convinced the GM to sign me and he's like the GM Ronnie's pretty much you're gonna show up you're gonna come play against the tough teams you're gonna do stupid crazy shit I'm like yeah whatever it takes like you guys need me to do whatever, I'm there. 
Right. And then Paxton Schulte didn't show up. Cote got injured right away. And a few other guys didn't pan out. Like Leon DeLorme was there. They brought him in. And then just guys ended up either getting hurt or not. Like poor George Cantrell that year. Did you hear anything about him? No, I did not. I think his second game in that year, he got he's in front of the net on the power play for us. And Sylvain Bluan's kind of pushing him from behind, or maybe he was defending something in front of our net because he played D too. But the puck clears his own. He starts skating out. And Sylvain just drops his one glove and sucker punches him, shutters his jaw first game oh. or second game. So Cantrell was a fairly tough guy in the U-Haul, but that basically ruined him for that league. He wanted nothing to do with being there. Right. But it was just the way it was. I mean, for me, I didn't play. I went out there and lined up next to a guy, asked him if he wanted to go, and that was 19 out of 20 of my fights, how they started. Right. You know, you get your two fights, and then you go uh, go drink Molson afterwards. <laughs> yeah, well, we got two flats after every game, so that was always a bonus. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, you're looking at this fight card here, man, so I'm going to go to the first kind of bigger name. I'm, I'm going to try to get the names that people might know. Um, out there, and the first one that pops up here is uh, for those out there who've who've seen it. It's called a t- it's called Tough Guys. Um, it's a documentary, and it's about hockey in the South. But this guy's featured in it, and he actually kind of gets the wheels beat off him by Marty Melnichuk. But uh, Brandon Christian, who also played in the LNH for years, what was it like fighting Brandon Christian? Well, he's a big, strong guy, and he never really hit you with the punching power, but both of us didn't have great balance. But he was the dirtiest cocksucker I ever played against. <laughs> That's what I've heard. He is the one guy that, I, to this day, if he was on the lane in the gutter beside me, I'd walk by and kick him before I'd fucking help him up. <laughs> it's just and, it is, man. Yeah, normally, you know, you hit the ice, the fight's over with him. You hit the ice and you go for the eyes or fucking sucker punch a guy. And he'll go after guys when he knows they're hurt. Actually, Cote was thrilled with me the one year because we're playing against St. George when he was there. And Christian jumps Cote and Cote is coming back from a broken hand. Knows he can't fight him with the one hand. Right. So it's a nothing fight. Cote and him kind of stand up and... Cote tied him up, and then the next shift I got out there, I told Christian I wouldn't fight him and just turned around and fucking two-hand chopped him and jumped him. <laughs> so, hey, Cote he, wasn't he really... He'd have done the same to you. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, and Cote's not used to a guy sticking up for him, so that got me some pretty good respect from him. Right. What was what was Pat Cote like? Because I know I've you know I've heard different things, of course, because it was, you know, he's kind of on the... He's had a little bit of trouble, of course, now. Um, and when he was in that league, I mean, he was just absolutely fucking jacked. He was uh, on a great workout regiment with chicken and uh, protein. <laughs> uh, we'll put yeah. it that way. Um, <laughs> well, so what he was played like playing the show with him? 225. And then when I played with him, he was 265 and completely ripped. Jesus Christ. I'm very <laughs> confident it wasn't natural because I got approached to actually take steroids. And they were going to be funded by someone who's a pretty big fan of the team. And I talked to Cote about it. And he told me to stay away from it because it's 
essentially the most addicting drug he's ever touched. You go to oh, the no gym shit. and you're bigger. Right. So he was the biggest influence on me not getting into steroids or anything like that and just going by. He's like, you're fighting everyone, your body's taking it. And he, you could see him, he'd destroy himself. You look at his fight card, and he was 15 to 20 fights a year. They were better fights than mine for the most part, but he was constantly blowing a shoulder, right. fucking up his hands. Like, he was mangling himself. And it definitely didn't help him later on in his last years. You could see he was off it and wasn't quite the same anymore. And he's So... I've got nothing but good things to say about Pat. He was a maniac. He liked to party. And you could see if he'd been up for a day and he's showing up to the game, his one shoulder would drop a little and he'd have a swagger to him. Yep. But he was nothing but great to me. Always looked out for me. Actually, I was talking to Roger about last weekend. You remember the time me and you fought and then Coates skates by the box and Roger stands there. He's like, hey, Coates. The kid was asking me to fight. I wasn't going after him because, like, Roger's a tough guy, but he doesn't want to have a mad Cote coming after him either. No, nobody does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a picture of him when he's on the bench. I forget who it is behind him, but it's a shirtless pick of Cote on the bench after a pregame brawl with, I think it was Sorrell Tracy. Yeah, um, that was the that brawl, him and Pesiak went out for warm-ups with just their jerseys on, full upper bodies covered in baby oil. <laughs> <laughs> and tossed their jerseys and went and started grabbing guys. Jesus Christ. And if you've been in any type of a fight where you can't grab a guy... Not fun. And those two monsters to boot, I am glad I wasn't on Sorrell that night. <laughs> so let me ask you this, man. Um, you know, I know it's kind of a, it might be a little bit taboo to talk about per se, but, uh, from, from what I've heard from the league, uh, you know, there certain fights or certain brawls that would be started. There may have been a little, little envelope with some green incentive in their pregame. Was that true? I wasn't overly lucky enough to get the bribed envelopes on any teams <laughs> I played with. I mean, after my first year, they wouldn't even give me the standard fighting bonus. Where no, you get a thousand? Fuck, are they not going to give you that? You get a thousand bucks for your first ten fights, and five hundred for every ten after, or something similar to that. I could never get that negotiated in, and I tried. It's probably because you fought too fucking much. It'd be shelling out almost fucking fifty k for your ass a season. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely know there's. And that goes for lots of minor leagues where right. they'll put some up on the peg board. And he definitely saw it a little bit. But like I said, I got stuck with, uh, aside from my couple years in Laval, and even those years, those teams were uh, the best I played on for toughness. But they weren't stacked by any means compared to a few of the other ones. Right. Um, yeah, it's just, it's... It's funny people talk about the LNH like it's like the dirty Gracie League, and you know, yeah, there's some shit that goes down, and there was still maybe a little bit of extracurricular shit that would happen. Uh, but I don't think people realize how much shit actually goes down in minor league hockey, as far as kind of uh, like you know under the table cash type deal. It, it, it goes around in all leagues, whether whether people just want to turn a blind eye to it or not. It's not just the LNH that shit happens in. Um, 
I think the LNH kind of gets a little bit of a, a bad rap for that, in my opinion. Um, but, you know, teach their own, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been times where a few guys' names were on the board, but nothing crazy. I mean, I got sent down from Laval my first year to play in Cavalton, New Brunswick. My own team put up money for the other team's tough guy to fight me. That's a junior A in Canada. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because I came down from that Quebec league, and I think it was a DeRocher or something from the team we were playing in the Maritime Junior League when I was in Campbellton, and the GM knew the kid because he played in Campbellton the year before, and I think he gave him 250 a fight to fight me. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) That's pretty – that's fucking insane, man. Um so, you know, continuing on through your fight card here, I mean, I don't even know. It's it's like I could throw a fucking dart at this thing and we'll hit, hit a good name because you just got them all. Um, uh, I guess, fuck, Jesus Christ, I'll ask you about uh, Curtis Tidball. What was it like fighting him? He was another. He made another another guy who kind of made a living down there in the LNH. Yeah, Tidball was solid. He was fairly open. He'd take a punch to give a punch. Never had any real bad blood with him, and he was a guy you could always, you never worried about, but you knew he'd put up a good fight. There wasn't too, too many guys that made me nervous. There was only one guy that I was really worried about when I had to go back and fight him, because there's only one one fight that I could say I was truly hurt in, but Tidball was just a solid, you never really knew exactly which one of him was going to show up because sometimes you could just toss him around in his earlier years because he wasn't that big but he definitely improved too right well it's like that's like you know with everything um the more you do it the kind of the better you get i guess like you said how you had balance issues at first and everything like that um who was the guy that you were talking about that you said might have intimidated you a bit lawson oh really no shit he was the only guy who actually knocked me out where I was, I hate to use the word concussed, but I, sheet of black, went down hard, got up, wobbly knees, fell down again, Yeah, refused to go to the penal, to the room, went to the penalty box, and I'm steaming mad at the time. I'm going to hop on the ice and I'm going to jump Lawson as soon as that door opened. And then of all people, Joel Terrio leans over. He says, Swanson, if your head's fucked up, don't fight again. Everyone knows you got the biggest balls in the league. And <laughs> it's coming from Terrio. Yeah, I kind of sat down. I'm like, he's, he's fucking right. I'm fucked up right now. But I was furious. And then going back to fight loss in two weeks later, that was a tough fight because. You'd just been fucked up, and you're going back in knowing Two that the guys. Later. Yeah. Were, were you even, you know, would you have called yourself game day ready at that point with the concussion? or? Well, it, it wasn't a bad concussion. I call it a concussion. I didn't have headaches or fuck oh, all okay. like that. So you didn't it was out. more just. Right. You got it was the one rung. time where my bell was rung real bad, where when I got up, I fell down because normally I didn't really lose my balance like that or have the big sheet of black. I've been 
hit and knocked down and bell rung, but not being like out for that little fraction. Right. So I was really lucky. I got a thick head and thankfully the long greasy hair must have absorbed some of the punches too. (laughs) Right. Uh, Once you still got the flow going now too, which is great. Um, you know, speaking of Terrio, fuck, funny enough, I actually got a picture of Terrio right up there on my damn wall above this fucking desk. Um, did you ever, did you ever fight him at all? You know, sorry, I haven't, you know, looked yeah. at the fight card here. What was it like fighting the animal? Well, it wasn't a super long fight. And like I learned from Cote on when you're fighting a lefty cross grab with your left to his left and it seemed to throw him off a little bit. And then I got him off balance and he fell down and I let him back up to continue and he missed me with some bombs and then whether I fell down the second time or whatever but it was what I'd call a draw he definitely threw the bigger harder punches but nothing really connected solid and it was intimidating you could tell the guy is a freak and strong and you're worried about those shots hitting you but I remember Duplain was just furious with me. Why would you let Terrio back up? Like, that's for the show. Right. Like, that's just part of it. You don't hit a guy when he's down. And I don't know, Duplain liked to finish his fights. If somebody went down, he'd go down on top of them or make sure they couldn't get up. And that was just never me. Unless right. I had a axe to grind. It seemed like from what, from what I understand, it seemed like, like Terrio just always wanted to put on a show for the fans. Just always like every fight would, you know, do like the, the big square off and tap, you know, tap hands or I guess touch gloves per se would be the kind of like the term to describe that. And always just put on a show for the fans. And from what Mayrand had said in the uh, fourth line voice interview, he skated like uh, he was going up to line up with him and he skated in real fast and then said like, you know, he stopped real quick and he said, you know, let's make it a good one. Is that, you know, is that what kind of the mindset of Terrio when he'd go in to fight him? I would say he definitely wanted to put on the show. I mean, he seemed to really get more into putting on the show in his last few years after I was out of there. Yeah. Where he'd really, especially his farewell tour there when he was going everyone and there'd be the solid high fives and that after with like Roach and Morasti and all those boys. Oh, fuck. I love for me. Yeah. For me, it was just, he's a big dangerous lefty. I wasn't really on that level where we were close enough where he'd be saying that, where I think him and Mayran had a bigger bond over the years of going at her where I think I fought him maybe once or twice. Oh, okay. But I also think that me being buddies with Cote and him and Cote were close at that earlier years. That probably got me a little bit of leeway where he'd let his other guys go with me instead. Right. You know, um, fuck, that's good to hear. I I love, I'm a huge Terrio fan as far as that league, man. He was in that league forever. Um, Another uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about, though, speaking of the show, is there's a picture of you, and fuck, I just posted it today saying that I was going to interview you, um, and I think you know which one I'm talking about. It was the one I posted a couple weeks ago, too, where you, uh, it was after a fight, and you're back, I, I forget which crowd you said it was from, but you're- Verdun. Verdun, and you're sitting there giving them the double bird, skating away. What, uh, what kind well, of drove you to do that? <laughs> it wasn't as much, I'd already gotten a fight, and I was in the penalty box, 
And then I think it was Dion Hyman, who was a scrappy native defenseman from Saskatchewan. They were going after him, and I think Bone and Vasse were chasing him, and they ended up catching him right by the penalty box. So those two guys are on high, man, and I'm in the penalty box reaching over, sucker punching Bone and Vasse <laughs> as much as best I can. So that carried on for a little bit, and then I got ejected, and as I left the penalty box, I just kind of gave a fuck you to the fans, and <laughs> I think I got a game or two for it, but... It definitely made for a hell of a picture. Yes, yeah, only only in the L and H would you get a game or two for that. I couldn't imagine if you did that in the NHL today. What would what would go down? <laughs> yeah, um, you know. So in the in the league though, would you know? It's just such a stigma around it that people don't like the league, and I understand why some people might have a distaste for it. But for those out there who say the fights are staged, do you have anything to say to those kind of like those people out there that say it, that they're staged per se? Well, they're not staged completely. Like you don't have, you're not doing the WWF shit where you got a script written, right? I mean, and I'm not necessarily texting fucking Maxwell or whoever saying, "Hey, we're going tonight and we'll warm up." Sometimes you'll have a chat with them or shoot a few pucks at the other team to fire up the game. I know I've been sent to do that when we were playing some of the softer <laughs> teams and our coach or GM would come in. He's like, I want you to fire a bunch of pucks at them. They got nobody tonight. Let's scare them right off the hop. So the stage part, you just knew you were going to fight. And in all honesty, the fights that started from the play where you're both off balance, you're both half out of breath. I mean, there we were there to fight. I wasn't there to play hockey. I've never been too delusioned to think that I was. And you just knew you were going one of these five guys, most likely. And you sorted it out. You saw who you lined up. You saw who you, you kind of, after a little while, you'd watch the tapes of the guys. You knew who you wanted to fight. Like, you never really wanted to fight for Shet because it's going to be a marathon and you're fighting a little guy and it's going to look like shit on even though everyone knows he's tough as hell. Right. But I hate the word staged because... I, I, I can't stand that fucking word. <laughs> yeah. Especially and it's not it, like... Go ahead, man. It's not like there was only one of one fighter on my team and one on the other. It was staged to the point where I knew I was fighting one of three to seven guys on the other team. Right, and the term I like to use for the fights in the LNH, not, I wouldn't say stage. Stage is never the right word. I would say maybe more so arranged because, again, like you you know you're going. It's just a matter of, yeah. kind of you know, slim pickings. Or not, I shouldn't even say it's slim pickings there. It's pretty much, you know, a line, up, line up these five guys and pick which one you want almost. Um, yeah, I got, if we were playing Quebec, I knew 90% of the time I was going to fight uh, Dubé. What was it like fighting Dubé? Because he, he was a kind of a marathon guy, and he would be really toe-to-toe as well. Yeah, it was great because he never really intentionally screwed with your balance. So you could just stand there and throw with him. And I always enjoyed the Dubé fights because it was just a solid stand there slugfest. And I felt like I did pretty well against him. 
Right. So. Did did you so did you enjoy fighting that kind of wide open style more than like the technical aspect? And it, se- it seems like from from what I can tell from all your you know the fight videos that you have up, um, you know you seemed like to go to toe to toe just a little bit more than you would be technical. Um, I always use my left hand. My left hand was technical. My right hand was trying to throw. <laughs> right. I, that was about the extent of it for the most part. My lefts suck to begin with. So when I would try to switch to my lefts, I'd fall fucking over. So it wasn't <laughs> worth it for me to switch. Right. I just didn't have the balance. And don't get me wrong, I get tied up, frustrated, and I try, but seems like nine times out of ten or better, it didn't do me any favors. <laughs> um, well, you know, like you said, hey, you, you knew what worked for you, so you ended up kind of going with that. And, you know, I always enjoy watching your fights and everything like that. And uh, another guy you happen to fight who also had probably one of the, the most unique fight stances or square-off stances I've ever seen, and we mentioned him earlier, I think before the podcast started, but uh, Brad One Punch Lambert, what was it like fighting Brad Lambert? It was interesting. I didn't fight him a ton, but he was definitely going heavy for that first punch. And I mean, I don't have any big memories of fights with him, but he was definitely for that year and a half or two, just a big presence in the league. And then he kind of faded right out of, right out of Quebec. Yeah. I heard, uh, I've heard he got into a little bit of off ice antics, I guess you could say, um, but yeah, from from every or for people I've talked to, he was just rolling through the league uh, for those like yeah. first like that two or three years that he had with Sorrell. Um, even on a DVD that I have, um, he's on there, and it's like a big feature inside of it that it's like the the Brad One Punch Lambert section on it or whatever. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'm I'm trying to get him out of the podcast. Hopefully I can It'd be fucking sweet. Yeah, um, he's in Alberta here too. Yeah. I've I talked to him before down. about it. He said he's down, so hopefully hopefully I can get him on. Yeah, and then let's see. Well, I mean, there's always Morasty too. Yep, I oh, was going to say him. So, yep, that was my next question cuz I'm getting into 0607 here when you were with uh Tetford. And you know, your first uh, I'm looking here your first or excuse me, your second and third fights came on the same day and you fought uh fuck I have both these guys jerseys too I'm fucking wearing Morasti's now but uh Alex Dandenal and John Morasti in the same game um against Sorrell what was it like well before we get into Morasti what was it like fighting Dandenal Dandenal was a gamer he wasn't a big fighter I mean he was a smaller guy so I could definitely use my size and reach on him and never felt like I had too much trouble with him but he definitely could also tip my balance pretty good if he really got into it. But never any concern fighting him, but a super respected guy too, actually. I think the one year in Tedford there, I ended up leading the leagues in fight, the league in fighting majors that year. And he was my last fight where I think I was tied. And he didn't really want to fight me at the end of the year, but... He gave it to me anyway, and we just had a quick fight. He's like, oh, fuck, the game's over. The season's over. We're going to the playoffs. I'm like, come on, just give me one. I need it. So he was good and respectful. Morasti, I've actually 
ran into after hockey too. And I got to say the most entertaining fighter, bar none. Oh yeah. The guys. Absolutely. He's, he's my second favorite of all time. Even, you know, you mixed in with the NHL guys and everything. I fucking love Morasty. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I've known him well enough where he had the really tough go against Bosse and he refused to change his style one bit to fight Bosse and, like I told him at the time, I'm like, I wouldn't fight Bossy wide open like that. Here, and he's like, No, that's what I do. And he wanted nothing to do with changing it. But on the other hand, he was never a power puncher either. I think the two or three fights, or however many it was, three to four, I had with him. We both ended up standing at the end of it. And he may have landed better shots, but. You knew you were in for a war, but you didn't anticipate getting super hurt either. I was going to ask, what was it? Is it just like, I don't know, is it just like fighting a fucking jackhammer at that point with how many goddamn punches he throws? Yeah, the jackhammer and just the, the problem is he trains well enough where he'd never gas out right away either, so. Oh, yeah, he even could if go you, for days. Yeah, I mean. I think the only person I fought longer and been more tired against would have been Frechette. Because I, mean, I remember fighting Frechette where I think there was a big scrum and I was sucker punching Parker at the time. And we came out of it and me and Frechette squared off and we had a minute and a half plus fight oh. after being in the scrum. Like finally, the I think someone from our team kind of came in and got their arm between us and got the rest to break it up because we're throwing punches and there's just nothing on them at the end. You'd feel the weight of your hands dropping your punches. Right. Jesus Christ. Uh, that's <laughs> It's just crazy. Yeah, for, for shit, man. He was, he was definitely a marathon man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but John, just pure entertainment. Oh, God. And loved, yeah. loved what he did. And he was... Well behaved off the ice, super respectful. I still actually played a few games senior up here in Grand Prairie last year and caught up with him twice, got together for some drinks, and he's doing quite well now, so that's good to always hear and catch up with an old guy that you used to go to war with. Right, exactly. Yeah, man, fucking, he's uh, he's up there, pound for pound, one of the toughest of all time, too. He reminded me kind of almost of like a Stan Jonathan how Stan Jonathan wasn't the biggest. Well, he wasn't the biggest guy, but you know he was just in there and would just stick his chin out and just go toe to toe. And it's crazy to me that he wouldn't change his fight style up for the Bosse fights because he just wanted to just fucking yeah. on the show, man. Um, I th- I forget which round it is. I think it's round four or five, where I think I think John actually ends up getting the better of uh the of Bosse in the fight. But oh they're, yeah. They're both like bloodied and like screaming at each other, like, Are you good? Yeah, I'm good, like at the end of the fight. And yeah. they just like walk away and I think Bossy skates away, he's just yep. covered in blood. He's oh, just yeah. Yeah. oh man, that's one of my favorite fights of all time. That's in that's up there in my top five, and those were just absolute wars. I've been trying to photo match this fucking jersey to see if it was in one of those fights. Hopefully it was. I don't know. It's hard to photo match because you know there's only so many pictures in the L and H. Um but you know, continuing on to your uh, your career here, and another guy you fought was another LNH legend, Danik Lassard, who was supposed to come back this year, but I don't think he ended up. I don't think he ended up pulling the trigger on it because um, I know he was getting rehabilitated from uh, like gunshot wounds, um, unfortunately. But you know, all the best to Danik. But what was it like fighting him? 
Uh, he was, I hate saying underrated because he wasn't one of those number ones on the team, but he was a solid number two, three, and just another guy who was very open, very fast hands, and he could throw both, which is always a challenge. Right. And I know he split me open the one year, or no, I had to fight him when I had stitches in my face. And that was a tough one because you're now you're fighting to kind of protect a spot that's going to get split open if you catch one square. But he was extremely legit and one of the best gamers there was. I mean, you look at how many fights he's been in, and it's impressive. He's I think he's right on the cusp of 500. I don't I don't think he'll get it unfortunately, but I don't know if you've yeah. seen it that like LNH toughest like hockey league in the world. It's like done by like Vice Sports on YouTube, and it was they. I, I laugh at it because they came into it, and it was like when the league was probably right around like 2013, 2012 ish. I'm like, oh fuck, this wasn't even like when the LNH was in its prime. Um, so it's funny to see that, but yeah, he's talking in there, and it was like he was right on the cusp of uh, the 500 fights. I think he had like 490. I think it was 493 or 497, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, I don't think he's gonna get it there. Uh, real quick, another guy I wanted to ask you about who was also a former NHLer. Uh, he actually did a number on Tony Twist, and uh, Twi- well, Twist got him back for it, but was Francois LaRue. What was it like fighting LaRue? Well, that was one where you could say there there wasn't money put on the board, but our assistant GM I had in Laval was with St. Jean that year, and I'm skating in a warm-up, and he's hollering at me, and I slow down by the red line. He's like, yeah. We just signed LaRue. We want you to fight him. And that kind of pissed me off. I'm like, this kind of thinks that I'm going to be an easy first fight for LaRue in the league. So I got pumped up pretty good for that first one at home in Tatford. And I ended up, he got off balance. I didn't put him down with a punch, but he went down in the fight. So I was pretty excited about that. And then their second one in St. John, I just remember pulling in as hard as I could and barely reaching him with the end of my punch and just a massive man, really hard to handle in that regard. But I came out with both fights, not really getting tagged at all by anything of consequence anyway. And right. A lot of respect too. Cause he was He's older than I was. I am now. So he would have been over 35 at that time. Yeah. To, that's go, getting, to go through like, you know, the NHL and then all the way out to the, you know, he bounced back and forth between the NHL and AHL. And then to end up in the LNH, man, that's uh, got to be quite the different experience after that, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I know St. Jean was definitely paying quite well to put that epic lineup together. And I was quite disappointed to get traded by them that summer before they, they traded me to Quebec for Linehouse and it would have been a lot of fun to be involved with that such a tough team because I never got to really experience being the complete bully out there with a huge amount of backing right yeah I can't believe they fucking traded you man I should I think Laval should have kept you personally but that's just me um and you know another thing that happened in Laval or I should say with the Chiefs um there was a brawl almost in the stands and you know police were pepper spraying players and shit like that what kind of happened that night 
Well, that was uh, first round playoffs against uh, Radio X, and I think I fought Goslin as a, it was a second fight during a stoppage of play. So they, we already had a fight, and then I kind of got into it with Goose, and me and him both got kicked out, which is a great trade off for our team because Goose is a legit top four D man, and me and him had a well. I irritated the Quebec team a bit that year. Me and Remy Royer had it out a few times. And, yeah, Goose was good, but getting him out. So I was in the stands, and then all of a sudden, all the chaos behind the bench, and I came running down through the tunnel, got in there. Rasmussen's at the end of the bench, and the glass had came in, and then a cop pepper sprayed him. <laughs> and he's screaming, covering his eyes, jumping up and down, because it was point blank, too. Oh, yeah. And that's on video for those out there listening. You can go ahead and check that yeah. out. I believe it's on YouTube. Just look up, you know, uh, I guess LNH, like, you know, fan brawl or some some shit like that along the lines. Um, it'll pull up for you. Yeah, I had my plaid shirt on, tossed a stick in the stands because they were peppering us with water bottles and beer cans and <laughs> or cups or whatever. And what was that atmosphere kind of like in an LNH stadium or arena, I should say? Well, it was quite intense because it was also the old Quebec Coliseum, too. So yep. it was the biggest LNAJ arena, too, aside from the exhibitions at the Bell Center. But that wasn't even the most entertaining aspect that came out of that brawl. All of our tough guys got suspended. And then we went back to Laval. And what you guys didn't see was the next game. So I already kicked out. I'm sitting in the stands watching. And our fans in Laval were absolutely ruthless. They were pissed off that all their tough guys are out. And I've never seen such chaos. Like, they're going up above the Quebec bench. They're pouring beers on the fucking Quebec team. They're throwing <laughs> shit. All of a sudden, I think it was Bouchard standing there. And I see him just drop all of a sudden for no reason. Well, they're fucking egging them from across the fucking ice of where our bench is. They're tossing eggs into the other team's bench. <laughs> and then I think it was Royer is in the penalty box, and our one of the fans walks up, kind of taps a security guard who just steps out of the way, reaches right over, pours a full beer on him, and Roy lost, ended up throwing a puck into the stands, and I think he unfortunately hit someone's daughter oh. with the puck. <laughs> so that made it even worse. They pulled uh, all the players out off the ice, and Quebec wouldn't come back till there was police escorts at the game. And that was, I guess, entertaining as the brawl was, but seeing the fans interact like that and just savagely abuse the other team was something, too. Right. I'll never forget just watching that guy drop. I'm like, why did he drop? Then I start seeing the white shit going across, and they're egging the other team's bench. <laughs> and we're talking full throws across the ice. Oh, I was about to say, the other they got to have a cannon to throw those because, you know, for those <laughs> yeah. who don't know, over, on the, uh, in the LNAs, the benches are across from each other. They're not next to each other like they are in the NHL. So 
the other team sits across the ice up there. So these people are throwing it literally <laughs> over the rink all the way to the other bench, man. And I, I feel like, you gotta, I don't know, maybe you got to bring in like a, you know, a couple dozen in there to kind of dial your range in at first and then start <laughs> fucking chucking them. <laughs> yeah. And it wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they were hard boiled either. Oh yeah. Just start pelting them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was quite the atmosphere for that game more so that was just, it was one of those things where you're just sitting there kind of like, this is retarded, but so awesome. Right. It's like, you know, that's the thing about the LNH, man. People, you know, people can shit on it and say whatever they want. And I think the problem with it is they, they compare it to the NHL, which you shouldn't at all. Why would you compare no. the LNH to the, uh, like, if you just take the LNH for what it is and put it in its own world. And just appreciate it for what it what it is and what it actually brought and what players like yourself brought. It's a fucking awesome ass league, man. I love it. I really do. Yeah. Well, I know Hartley went and caught a few games when he was in Quebec and he was still coaching. I think that, or maybe he wasn't coaching, but I know they announced he was watching a couple games in Laval and he was up in one of the booths. And I mean, it's just a different flavor. And the hockey isn't bad like people assume. Yep, that was going to be my next question for you. Was because I, I, you know, I know the answer to it, but just to get them it out there to the masses, there. What was the hockey like after you know, like the maybe the the four or five fights off the opening draw? It was, in my opinion, good hockey. Now it wasn't quite to the level of the states where guys are trying to make it because that wasn't what this league was about. Right. This was more of a transition league when I was playing in it. They didn't have the under 26 rule they didn't have all these other rule they just implemented the x amount of people from quebec and under 26 my last year there but at that point it was like all the old guys who'd been the east coast been the ahl who'd put up legit numbers or had done something were coming back home to quebec and playing there so it was like a working man's league i imagine a lot like the senior leagues back in the day in canada were Back in the day, every small town had a senior team, and there was wars, rivalries from the close towns. I mean, those would have been the days to grow up in. Yep. But it was just... From what I've heard, it's almost comparable to, like, the ECHL or SPHL in terms of, like, skill level. Um, As far as the hockey goes, which, I mean, it's, you know, that's two, three leagues removed from the NHL, so it's really, it's not bad hockey prior to when everybody everybody just sees the fight videos and the antics and shit that goes on but the hockey itself was actually really good yeah and i mean it was just a different brand where you had older guys playing like michelle picard he was phenomenal i've never seen to this day a guy who could shoot the puck like him and one of the most respected guys that i ever played with too like i think he won his second player of the month award in tatford Comes across the room, hands me the bag full of gift certificates and whatnot with, he's like, you know, Suwani, you're never going to, I know you're not going to win one of these, but I appreciate everything you do for this team and for me here. So he basically, he got the award, but he gave me all the goodies from it. And that's something that sticks with a guy when you're just getting that verification that what you're doing is appreciated. Right. So, yes, yeah, oh, fuck, man. Well, I mean, you des- you definitely deserved it. For, you know, I'm still, you know, looking at all your damn fights here. 
Um, you had 62 that one season, 41, 42. It was just the list goes fucking on with how many you had. Yeah. And such, well, I won't say short amount of time, but I mean, you were there for well, pretty much oh four and a half years. Yep. I had 230 fights. <laughs> That's fucking insane. Yeah, because I think the old uh, drop your gloves tracked a bit more of the preseason, postseason. They did because I'm look. I'm on hockey fights, and they have more of the regular season shit. Uh, they got a couple yeah. postseason there, but I, like I said, I th- you know we talked about it before. I think drop your gloves definitely had a bit more on there. Um, I just want to ask you about a couple more guys, man. Um, I know we're running on an hour here, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but these are all fucking great, man. I love I, I love hearing shit about the LNH. So it's, you know, it's you're a great great guest to kick this thing off with. Um, but another guy I wanted to ask you about that you fought was Ryan Hand. What was it like fighting uh, fighting him? Well, it was always good from my perspective because he played. So anytime I could fight a guy that played a fairly regular shift, I like the trade off for my team because a tougher guy is not out there hitting people. And I mean, Hand's a tough kid. He was one of those guys who's just a gamer. He wasn't. Right, guy he wasn't that like I, a heavy, but he was he was he wasn't he a heavy, up. but he always stepped up. Like him and Doucette were kind of in that same category where they were tough as nails and they'd punch any weight class, and they could both play a bit. So, I mean, I envy the guys with enough skill to play. And I mean, I didn't really start playing hockey till I was twelve either on skates, so that didn't help my cause. But <laughs> right, well, fuck, I didn't start playing till I was, you know. 22 and I'm 23 now so <laughs> yeah um oh and uh you know I got two more guys for you here and one of them is uh I guess another minor league legend uh Brandon uh Sugar Sugden what was it like fighting Sugden it was intimidating I mean you knew he could hurt you that wasn't fun and he didn't hurt me bad in my first fight but he definitely caught me with some solid punches got me to my knees and I was struggling and fighting to get up and i ate a bunch more and then ran into him after the game and we we're bullshit and he's like yeah so Ani, sorry about hitting you when you're trying to get up and i'm like i was trying to get up i was fair game i'm not worried about it no hard feelings right like i was i took a knee and i was trying to stand back up and it was is what it is and then we fought another time but i was pretty sure he had a bum knee i kind of heard so I made sure to kind of shake him and keep him off balance so he couldn't get his power. And I felt that one was closer to a draw. And I mean, I was thrilled to get to fight a legend and actually not get hurt either. So. Right. Yeah, man. Sugden, he's one of those dudes I will. I love the picture of him where he's got like no teeth and he's like smiling at Morasti before they square off. I fucking love that picture. Um, but he's another dude who, from what I've heard, and Mike Segroy said it on the podcast, for, like, about a solid, like, two years in the AHL, I mean, he was, like, rolling through the league. Just, like, un- unstoppable. Um, yeah. So for him to be down there in the LNH and doing it, man, it was, I mean, like you said, it's it's intimidating, but it's got to be kind of cool to be able to say, like, you know, you, f- you fought Sugden, of all people. Yeah. And then to run into him after the game, bullshit with him. and He's just a legitimately good guy, too. Right. So it's always nice getting to know the boys as well. And that's the other thing that lots of guys don't understand. Like you're fighting your buddies too. And it's, 
I don't know, it's just normal for me. I grew up, me and my best friend, we'd go out to the outdoor rink and we'd end up hacking and whacking each other and we'd slug it out and then we'd sit down and have a beer and talk about our fight. <laughs> right, well, you could have done better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's what it's, you know, just what people don't realize. And, yeah, I get it, like the the more so planned or, you know, the fighting off the draw that people don't like, but at the end of the day, I laugh when people say, oh, he's just a, an idiot or a dummy for going to the L&H or whatever. But if the guy was doing the exact same thing in the ECHL, people wouldn't think twice about it. Like, oh, yeah, this guy's fucking awesome. He's so tough and blah, blah, blah. But because it's the L&H and it kind of has that name, uh, yeah. that well, label, it's unfortunately. Really tough to leave the L&H to go to any other league, too, because I'd called a few teams in the States just trying to hitch on and I know they practice a lot more and it's a completely different thing and I was young so I wanted to go down there like I'd never really practiced every day had a gym routine that I was you know expected to fulfill aside from whatever I could do myself so I thought it would have been great but they wouldn't pay you like I'd be taking I'd be going down there for 350 to 400 a week compared to a thousand in Quebec and that's what people don't understand. They don't. They don't understand that the paychecks were actually really good up there in Quebec. And I touched on this with uh, with Darren from Fourth Line Voice. Um, but why would I? Why would you go down and fight in the ECHL or the SPHL for, like you said, four or five hundred a week when you can just go do the exact same thing and maybe maybe not even have to play as much hockey and exert yourself a little bit more in the LNH and you know get get a thousand a week for it. You know, it'd be it's, it's just a money thing. And that's where a lot of that's how the LNH was able to bring in those ex, you know, or former NHLers, AHL guys, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I mean, I offered to kind of meet in the middle somewhere, and the teams just weren't interested in paying that for a fighter down there. So I kind of gave that up after I think the third or fourth team I contacted. I'll just <laughs> go back to Quebec, but unfortunately, that didn't end up lasting as long as I would have enjoyed but i think it ended up being a great time to get out and kind of move forward with my life too looking back and then seeing guys who've done it till their 30s or late 30s and and they don't have anything that they're getting up to after hockey which is tough right um well you know speaking of that what are you up to now after hockey um, I own a pipe fitting uh, outfit in Grand Prairie, and I'm a supervisor building well sites and small gas plants. And then I've got five picker trucks, and life's been going fairly well now. And set up my own company. I can't really complain about anything. I got my pipe fitting trade, so. Well, there you go. That's the way yeah. to do it, man. That's well. I got into the kind of the I won't say the same field because I don't do any pipe fitting or anything like that. But I do construction now after the military. It's just you know, construction. It's it's one of those jobs now. It pays well because nobody wants to do it. You know, so um, yeah. So Especially it, if you can get into running your own equipment, it's phenomenal. Like, and oil and gas is kind of another realm that's paid a little bit more because we are dealing with your sour gas where you can. If you break something you're not supposed to, you can die. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
Well, man, I got I got one last guy I'm gonna throw at you, and he's a legend in the LNH, and he also dabbled into the UFC a little bit, and you know I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, and I actually I don't know if it was I think it is from your very last season you had, but I have the jersey he wore in that fight against you. Um, I think he got he might have got the better of you in the fight, but of course you know you being Swanee, you're gonna show up every night. Doesn't matter, but Steve, well, the boss, bossy. Eh? I think he would have got me the better of me regardless in that fight, but I definitely did not get along with Beeson at my coach that year. And oh, okay. I mean, as much as, you know, a coach you wouldn't think would affect a fighter, my year in Laval and Bobby Dallas and then Kurt Walson took over, I would say that was my best year in the league. I had some good years in Tetford just because I was older, more experienced. But having that confidence in your coach where you know he's going to put you out on the opening face-off, you know he's going to say, you know, Swanee, you're going to fight bosses out there. If you end up with him, just watch out. He's got a big right. You'll do fine. Or you got this. Compared to we go up there and Bissonnette's in the room before the game and he's telling us, you know, nobody fight Bosse. I don't want anyone on our team fighting Bosse. You know, he's been killing people. So that gets into your head a little bit. Right. And then I go out the first period, and what do they do? They put Bossy on against me. And Bossy, he's a solid, honest guy, tough as nails, lines up next to me, and he asks me to go. And I'm like, I can't go here right now, boss. But he makes sure the whole fucking stands knows he asked me. Uh, now I'm did, fucking how does pissed do, off. How does he do that? Does he make sure, like, what does he do? Does he, like, well, do some shit to him? He or? lines up. He did not really any shit. He lines up right next to you on the face off and he gives you a little nudge and you kind of shake your head. And I mean, they know he's out there to fight. They right. know yeah, I'm out there yeah, to fight. Now we're playing a fucking for. 20 second shift and we're coming off and I am fucking pissed. So I go up to Beeson out in between the first and second. I'm like, you put me on the ice again. And they put Bossy out. I'm fucking going up. And he's like, well, you know, I don't really think you should. I'm like, I'm, telling you you put me out there i'm fucking going up and he's like well you know just be really careful so now i'm fucking <laughs> i've got no backing in my own corner and i'm going out against a guy who's dangerous so uh, now all i can think of in my head is i know bossy's got not the best balance so i'm going to keep him off balance keep his hand at bay and i was worried more about that than actually the fight so it really didn't help me i mean I'm sure he would have got the best regardless, but was that your so was that your only fight with Bosse? I'm pretty sure I fought him in my first year as well, but he wasn't as big of a name back then. Yeah, he probably and, would have been with Verdun then, eh? Yeah, he was in Verdun and I was in Laval and then I think Jesse Grenier goes, You know what? I'll take uh Jason Clark, you take Bosse. Clark's Clarky's tougher. Well, Clarky <laughs> wasn't tougher, <laughs> and I think he got the best of me in that one too, but definitely I wasn't worried about him like I was in that other fight. It was right. just, I was a 20-year-old kid who was going out there doing my best at that point. Exactly. Yeah, man, it's cool. I got that I got that exact jersey that he fought you in. I think he, that, was, that was right when they switched to, they were the... Um, like the ninety-eight point three FM or whatever the hell yeah. they were. Um, when they that was that Jean Pierre Sagnay again. 
Uh, yeah, where he was playing. Right. Yeah, yeah, because that had been oh eight to oh nine. So yeah, the Chiefs weren't even around anymore at that point. I don't think. Um, no. Yeah. So that's my. There we go. That's what. That's the only video I've been able to photo match it to is the fight with you. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, dude, it's been real having you on. I can't thank you enough for coming onto the podcast and sharing some stories. You know you you had so many damn fights in such, you know, I guess a, I won't say a short amount of time because you played a few years in the league, but it just seems like a short amount. Cause you know, it's, um, yeah, well, I would have like, what, six years, four and a half, four and a half. Oh, yep. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't include, I included one of your junior years. Yep. Six or four and a half. Yep. Yeah. And then I would have stayed longer, but I just got kind of, the shit end of the stick from a few too many owners at the end of the year where they wouldn't cover my travel back to Western Canada or, Oh, we're waiting for some money from some season ticket holders or from this, we can't pay you yet. And I always worked in the summer. Right. So I'm waiting to go back to a job that pays 20 bucks an hour and I'm just losing money while I'm waiting for this paycheck that a lot of times didn't come and you just, take a bullet at the end of the year after going out there and putting yourself out all year, got old. Right. Yeah. You can only do it so many times without kind of, you know, getting that, uh, little extra bit of green in your pocket or whatever the case may be, you know, you, it's your well being on the line at the end of the day. So, um, and you heard about the Putra de St. Mary, a team I got traded to and fought once. No, I did not. So I got traded from why. Well, that scenario where I didn't get paid from Tatford, then they had a new owner or a new GM the next year. The new GM's like, well, that's not my deal. I'm like, well, you guys still owe me money from last year. I'm not coming back to play for you until you guys pay me. So I held out till November. And then finally they gave me half my money in a signing bonus. Flew out. They didn't put me up in the apartment in Quebec like we agreed to when I was in B.C., they wanted to put me into one in Tatford Mines. I had a girlfriend in Quebec, stayed with her parents, and it was just utter chaos. Couldn't oh, get my sake. apartment in Quebec and finally demanded for a trade. Got traded to St. Mary Delta. Played one game. I fought Tidball in warm-ups, I think. Tidball or Lachance in warm-ups, and then one of them during the game. So I got suspended found out the team wasn't getting paid by their owner. The oh. team folded. Now there's no dispersal draft like when Sagney folded because the players quit on the team. Right. And then I'm basically stuck in Quebec, no travel money back, out of last week's paycheck. It's kind of like a country song. My truck was broke down at the time <laughs> too. and Dog, girlfriend left, everything's gone. <laughs> yeah. But oh, I ended man. up coming out to uh, Alberta, playing a few years uh, senior hockey. Nice, man. That's what's unfortunate about the LNH is that, like, it's it seems like the league almost just shot itself in the foot. Once the money got really big and, you know, it's, the league was really making a lot, everybody kind of wanted – everybody got a little bit too greedy. And it just seems like they well, literally just shot themselves in the foot. I don't think the league ever made a ton of money. I think it was more of a pissing match between owners. Right. I don't think you buy a hockey. If you're buying a hockey team to make money, especially in the minor pro leagues, you're buying it for the wrong reasons. 
I mean, you buy it to hope to break close to even, I would think. Right. And have a hobby if you have that much money. But, no, it was actually last year, a couple of years playing senior, ran into Ashley Langdon, was out here playing, and me and him had some pretty good brawls in the senior circuit, and I've never seen a suspension like this. I don't know if you have. I'm playing senior, me and him, well, I fought someone else, then he left the penalty box, me and him fought, and then he got up, all my gear was off, he took his off, we fought again. <laughs> so it was like three fights in a row for me. We both got kicked out and suspended two games or three games. So we're three game suspension, but we were suspended for two, allowed to play one, and then suspended when we played each other. Oh, so you can never play each other again. Yeah, so the next game, which would have been two weeks later, we would have been playing each other, which we both had fun during the fight and that, but they manipulated it so we couldn't play against each other that game. Right. I've only heard about that something. I think uh, Fourth Line Voice mentioned it. We were talking about uh, Kerry Toporowski one time, and I forget who it was he fought, but whoever he fought, they went down and the guy, like, torqued Topper's arm, like, shoulder back and, like, popped it out while he was down. And I, I think the rumor goes that they were never allowed to play each other again. So, like, whenever whenever those two teams were, would meet, they weren't allowed to play. Um, that's the only time I've ever heard of something like that, but that's pretty fucking funny. Um, yeah. Funny, Ashley Langdon, he's another guy I'm trying to get out of the podcast. He said he'd come on, but he's kind of hard to reach. I think he's he's busy with coaching and everything. Of course, everybody else has lives than to, you know, come on and talk to my fat ass for an hour or whatever. <laughs> uh, I've packed on the pound since I played too, but I wasn't always the healthiest guy when I played either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the lean fighting machine I was in the military. I think I got a lot of uh, bush light and you know, chicken wings to attribute to that, but it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, man, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It, it's been a real, real pleasure having you on. And, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, so this has been really cool. And I, what a great way to kick off the, uh, the LNH special with the guy who'd managed to rack up 64 fights in a single season. That's not even including preseason um, and over 200 fights in a four and a half year span. So, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. No, it was a pleasure, and then figured I might as well just uh, know if you make that out, but that'd be my company logo, so I haven't forgot where I came from. Uh, oh, Knuckle okay. Busters Limited. Knuckle Busters Limited, that's fucking fantastic. And then it's kind of a play on the Ghostbusters logo with a fist through instead of Slimer there. Do you uh, do you sell those fucking hats at all? Like, do you, do you do you have any extras? I'll fucking buy one off you, man. I'll, I'll send yeah, you some, I... some cash. Uh, just send me your address and I'll get one sent out to you. And don't worry about that. I've got a box. I got like 200 of them and I hand them out quite regularly on uh, job sites and that. So, well, there you go. And for those listening up there in Canada, if you need some, you need somebody to come lay some pipe for you, just call, uh, call Swanee <laughs> from Knuckle Busters Limited. <laughs> yeah. Just above ground. No pipelining. <laughs> too fat to reach below my ankles <laughs> aren't we all man <laughs> yeah fight fuck well, I can't thank you enough and man you have yourself a good night you too take care